Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. And you can text 0868104106. Very, very traumatic uh, story making the Red Tops today of two different families whose um, um, kids were mixed up. Um, I see it in the mirror this morning. It was a double death crash body mix-up. And just to explain that briefly, it was the identity of the crash victim left two mothers devastated, according to the inquest yesterday. Uh, Jason Hogan, was his mum, was wrongfully told that Jason Hogan had been killed. And Jonathan Healy's mum, Jackie Trainer, was mistakenly informed that her son has survived. It was the other way round. Um, Jason was a 12-year-old t- child and we were told he, he was dead. Devastating. I mean, it was a terrible, terrible mix-up. I'm not going to go into, um, you know, any more detail there. You, know, you must feel awful for the families and indeed those who delivered the incorrect news. But it's a front pager uh, making the red tops. It's that kind of knock on the door that no parent ever wants to get. You heard in the news there at 9 o'clock of the GoFundMe, which I'll be coming back to later on. Lisa Murphy's been battling with bulimia and anorexia for over a decade. And she's running out of options now. And a lot of it has to do with our, our, our public health system in this country and lack of beds to help people with eating disorders. So it's a front pager making the echo today. I'll leave it at that because I will be returning it to it this morning. I hope you can stay listening for that. But bizarrely, in spite of everybody throwing a lot of dash dosh around at the summer and going overseas and halls, some of them and staycationing and doing up the house and putting on extensions and all sorts of things, whatever you have in yourself, buying a 10 grand handbag, I don't know. Apparently, we still got 31 billion euros saved. We've, I, oh, I don't know if, <laughs> I don't know if that can even include myself in that. But anyway, they say that more money has been saved now than back in the days of the SSIA. For those of you who remember the special savings incentive accounts that were set up, you threw a lot of money in and the government topped it up. I think they added 33% to it. But apparently people have been saving like crazy through lockdown, uh, almost three times as much as they did before lockdown by all accounts. So there's loads of money. And apparently the coffers are bursting. They got billions and billions and billions extra in uh, in taxes, particularly in corporation tax returns, according to revenue. They weren't expecting that. So economically, we seem to be doing very, very well. They're expecting a big blowout for Christmas, I suppose, with the 31 billion. But of course, COVID makes the papers. Sure, why wouldn't it? With the numbers continuing to climb, as predicted, incidentally, for the month of November, and they will climb higher than the 3,700 yesterday. But the good thing, the thing we need to be watching is hospital numbers, and they're down Right, And also ICU numbers are down. Now, only down two ICU beds for COVID, but down nonetheless. So I don't mean to um, be disrespectful to anyone, but in fairness, uh, you know, the health service seems to be, for now anyway, coping. Now, I know that there's grief there and there's stress and they're worked off their feet and their hearts goes out to them. Uh, but um, the story now has to do with booster jabs. Uh, and we would, never, we would never have been talking about booster jabs last year, so we wouldn't. But I suppose it's inevitable that... You need to talk about boosters because you do the same with flu. So roll that out, please, will you? And just, just get on with that because clearly um, the vaccines themselves just, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I know it's very divisive, the whole thing, but you're talking now, for instance, that um, they could keep these um, uh, these uh, emergency measures regarding the need for COVID certs and QRs and 
access to public buildings and restaurants and having to you know, go into a pub with a QR code and wearing a mask, that that legislation would be uh, stretched out until February. So that's dominating the papers today. You heard also um, of an overhaul of the Cork bus services. Now, it's a good thing if more people are going to get more bus uh, routes in Little Island and Cove and Carrigaline, Ringeskiddy, Glanmar, Ballancolic and Blarney uh, will get new routes. And they're also talking about, um, you know, all of this hopefully paving the way for some kind of a Lewis service in the city. Uh, I'd probably, I'll probably be in a Zimmer frame before that ever happens. But they, I don't see any mention at all. And I've read it and read it and double read it in the Echo and looked at the, in the exam. I don't see anything to do with uh, uh, trying to uh, green our bus services uh, or change them to electric or, you know, um, uh, I don't know cooking oil or hemp oil or uh, unused wine but certainly seems to be still diesel going forward but bus chiefs are saying and I thought this I mean I'm even amazed that it's still in force because nobody seems to be paying much, much attention to the Panaban but apparently it's still there but there's big problems with the congestion and one of them has to do with people not observing the Panaban that slows down the buses trying to get through uh, the city and apparently their their actual their um, punctuality rate in Cork is nowhere near like Waterford, who's got an 80% rate of punctuality. And apparently bus punctuality in the city is between 10 and 12% behind Waterford's rate of 80%. Now, it would be an awful lot worse if their punctuality was only 10%, but it's probably more in around 65% punctuality. I'm quite sure people are screaming at the radio now saying, not my bus, it's never on time. But they're also saying, uh, to give them their due, that people need to stop using the bus lanes because that's also wrecking the heads of bus drivers and slowing things down. So you got new routes, yeah, but you got people not following the, the Panaban and others then just using the bus lanes when they should exclusively for be for buses, um, particularly, I guess, right across the day, I suppose. And then, of course, we have stories of our city itself, where the Echo is talking about shoppers being alarmed, more and more people not wanting to go into town anymore because of what they see. And this was a violent fist fight in the city, by all accounts, and shoppers going to and fro, and right in the middle of the road, a violent afternoon fist fight. Uh, if it was only fists, it would be bad enough, but a hammer was also produced. One of them has now been jailed following that, and we dealt with that story on the air when it happened some time ago. And then there's the family story of a burglar who was confronted by a woman and her teen daughter at six o'clock in the morning. In comes your man using a screwdriver to get in downstairs, downstairs window apparently at six in the morning. And that court report, he got four years jail actually and that makes the echo also. Good news for the Cork-based gourmet sausage company O'Flynn's. I love stories like that where a product starts humbly and they build it and build it and build it. It becomes more and more popular. And then what happens? They get deals, say for instance, with supermarket chains. And Flins have got to deal with Musgraves, and that is fantastic. So they're rolling out their fabulous sausage uh, internationally. No, I should say nationally, but you never know. Maybe internationally. There's a lot then on uh, Christmas toys. Apparently, f- there's some kind of a farting game. Not my words, no. Uh, miracle it, a farting game. As one of the top uh, Christmas toys. I will come back to toys that Santa Claus and his elves are working hard at at the moment. But one of them includes um, some game. I don't know. <laughs> I guess it's the game. It does the trumping as opposed to the person playing it. <laughs> you find it difficult to play any, anyone to play the game with you if it was uh, the latter. But the papers also say that why would you want to retire? Um, like it might be fine for three months. 
But after three months of it, would you not get bored? Well, apparently more and more people are putting off retirement to avoid boredom. According to Standard Life, the uh, pension provider, they, the main fear of retirement is a fear of boredom, by all accounts. Um, it's not really anything to do with the financial need or not. It's just that people want to stay active, stay involved, stay working, stay out there. Uh, and that 65 is a ridiculous age to be retiring anymore. I don't know, what are they suggesting? It should be 70, 70, 75, 80. But there are other stories in the paper then that are talking about people who by the time they hit their 50s find it hard to move around in employment and by the 60s or maybe late 50s you can just forget about it. You almost become invisible. And if you play golf, here's a lovely one from the Times UK. I mean, there's a lot of people saying that it was an elitist sport for years. Um, uh, but why are there two different T positions? One is for men and one is for women. So there is a club now in the UK, Hartford, that are going to get rid of the male and female tea boxes. And they're going to have gender neutral tea boxes. The women's teas are shorter. Not the actual tea itself, but it makes the hole shorter because they drive off from a further up tea. So they're thinking that that's probably unfair in the gender neutral world that we're trying to incorporate. Well, I suppose gender inclusive, inclusive, I suppose, really. So they get rid of the different T positions instead. Um, and I, I don't know whether you could just get rid of it, but it would make more sense just to give people the option as to whether they want to play, which would allow a, a hacker like me to play off the women's tee box, not that I play golf, and then really handy women with a very long drive be allowed to play off the men's tee box. I don't know, might take off. <laughs> If you pardon the pun. Lines open at one 106 text 0868-104-106. And I'm very interested in everybody's thoughts on a story that makes the papers today for new mum Lottie Ryan. According to my calculations, Lottie Ryan's son is five months old now, and I'm open to correction on this. Um, but apparently, uh, she, uh, she engages on social media, and recently, apparently, she put up a post saying that her son was going to crash because she had to get back to work in the studio. And you know the way it is with social media. I, I guess Instagram is particularly bad for it. I'm open for correction there. Maybe Twitter is worse. I don't know. Uh, but apparently she got a bit of a lambasting and she's found it very upsetting. She gave an example in the star today of one of the messages that she got back when she said that her new son was starting crash. And she was probably very excited about her new son starting crash. And the message said, oh my God, Lottie. How could you put a beautiful young baby into crash at this age? It's an absolute disgrace. You should be ashamed of yourself. Um, and she's very upset about it. She's a strong woman, but she said it really did upset me because I'm new to this and I'm really learning. I'm a complete novice and I don't know what I'm doing and I'm figuring things out as I go and I have to come back to work. Uh, and she says, and do you know what is funny? You click into these people pro people's profiles and it was a picture of a mother with a baby that sent me the worst message of all. Love to get your thoughts on that. The pressure of parenting and certainly new babies, first babies, learning as you're going along or indeed the pressure uh, on parents and women. Um, and whether it involves the pressure of going back for the work, to the workplace or being, you know, thinking you have to, you are being forced back into the workplace. I mean, don't know whether Lottie Ryan would prefer to stay out longer, um, but the option doesn't seem to be there. So it must be very, very difficult. 
Anyway, your thoughts are welcome. Text 0868104106. Email neil at uh, redfm.ie. Particularly if you're a new mum, maybe you also have, um, you know, issues like that or struggles like that or thoughts like that. Now, one of the stories, of course, that is uh, breaking news this morning has to do with the lovely little four-year-old girl. Her name is Cleo Smith. She disappeared uh, from her parents' tent or family tent um, on a campsite. Uh, 18 days ago, uh, breaking news overnight that she has been found alive and well. And there's some lovely video and audio uh, online, actually, uh, of Detective Sergeant Cameron Blaine, who found four-year-old Cleo Smith, uh, who was taken from that campsite 18 days ago. Here's just a clip of the audio. Have a listen. What a great day. Uh, We now have uh, returned Cleo to her loving parents. Uh, It's a wonderful day for this little girl and her loving family. Cleo, my name's Cameron, how are you? Are you okay? We're going to take and see your mummy and daddy, okay? Is that good? I just wanted to be absolutely sure that, um, you know, it certainly looked like Cleo. Um, I wanted to be absolutely sure it was her, so I said, what's your name? And she didn't answer, and I said, what's your name? (laughs) Um, She didn't answer again. So I asked her a third time, and then she looked at and looked at me, and she said, "My name's Cleo," and it was, um, and that was it. So, so what was Cleo's reaction to seeing her parents for the first time? Oh, you know, <laughs> mummy, <Yeah. laughs> big hugs, kisses, um, yeah, and lots of tears. You know, so as you can expect. A very emotive detective sergeant, Cameron Blaine. Um, she was found, Cleo was found alone inside a locked house in the coastal town of Carnarvon, short distance from, a little drive actually, from where she actually disappeared. Uh, and just for the record, police have detained a 36-year-old local man, no connection to the family, uh, after they broke into the house at about one o'clock in the morning. So she's safely and happily reunited with our family. Lines open one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. You can text zero eight six eight one zero four one zero six. And I just start, if you don't mind, with uh, travel related issues. In a couple of seconds, I'll pick up on a story from yesterday that affects Cork Airport with regards to KLM. Uh, but a company that I also I once had dealings with, and I vowed I would never, ever, ever deal with them again. Now I do do feel sorry for the staff involved because you'd hate to think of anybody uh, losing their jobs. But Alpha Rooms uh, are on the brink of collapse, and they've been cancelling reservations in recent days according to Travel Trust Association. It's having an impact on holidaymakers, clearly, and clearly Cork holidaymakers, amongst them Tracy. Tracy, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? On the brink of collapse, or have they gone bust? Have they collapsed? Um, I think they're actually gone. Yeah, um, I think they I was, have. I, yeah, I was actually able to contact the TTA yesterday. Here's the, up- um, here's the update on it. They've ceased trading. They've appointed liquidators. They can't meet payments. Um, to yeah. non-travel creditors. Um, will you get a refund? I mean, what did you book with them? Um, it was actually my our three kids. Uh, they booked us a weekend in Rome. Uh, back in, it was for the 25th of March, uh, 2020. And then the pandemic hit, so everything. I, I received a phone call on the 11th of March to say that the accommodation was cancelled and everything started to shut down then, as you know. Yeah. So um, then I contacted them myself and they asked me as soon as Ryanair, like it's a package the kids booked, the flights and the accommodation were through Alpha Rooms. So they said, Ryanair were my flights, um, the person my flights were arranged with. So as soon as I received an email from them to say the flight was cancelled, I was to send it to Alpha Rooms, which I did. 
So that was back in March, as I said, um, and months and months on the line. I, we are absolutely getting nowhere with our refund. Nowhere at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a group, there was a group started on Facebook, Alpha Rooms No Refund. There's three and a half thousand people. There's an awful lot of Irish there um, who actually tried to use a travel voucher that they said we could use. And they went to like of Portugal, Greece, um, all all over really, Neil. And when they got there, the flights went ahead. But when they got to their hotels, Alpha Rooms hadn't paid. So you are absolutely family. spot on. I have a story yeah. here of a family who were locked out of their hotel rooms in Sharm El Sheikh yeah. because yeah. the booking agent had not been paid by Alpha Rooms, um, and apparently uh, this is happening all over the place. All over, it's everywhere. People are it's arriving crazy. at the hotels, Alpha Rooms haven't paid the hotels, or maybe haven't yeah. paid the, the the booking agent or the, the online portal or whatever. That's it, that's it, exactly. And even if you contact, there's a few of them there now, they contacted Alpha Rooms two days before they went on their holiday to say, look, is this booking real? You know, and they have been, they have emails back to say, yes, your your hotel is confirmed. Everything is going ahead as normal. And when they get there, it's not. No, you see, because they're saying, they're saying that, but the hotel hasn't been paid. So that's when you it. get there, the hotel will ask for more money. That, and that's what's happening. And people are actually paying up more than the original price. So they're out of pocket more. They're after paying Alpha Rooms. Just say now they paid Alpha Rooms 650 then the hotel might say, oh, it's not paid, you have to pay us 1000 or 850 so they're actually paying double plus. Do a lot of people know? use Alpha Rooms, do you, do you think, or do they use bookings.com or, you know, do they go through a travel agent or book the hotels direct? There are four different options there. I wonder what's the most there popular. Is. No, no, there's like, I used Alpha Rooms years ago. Sorry, no, the dog. You're all right, happening. yeah, you're all right. Um, yeah. Sorry, no, um, I used Alpha Rooms years ago and it was fine. It, it was fine. I went to Portugal, I think, and everything was fine with it. But it was the kids, as I said, book this time. I often use booking.com and um, little breaks and the likes of those and everything. I never dealt with anybody like I had to the last year, over oh, a year and a half with Alpha Rooms. They ignore emails. They ignore phone calls. They just say you'll be refunded. Uh, please be patient. That's it. But like a year, over a year and a half later, and we still haven't received our monies. Uh, what do you think the chances are? Have they gone bust like they've gone bust? Uh, they I have. There's a few went down the route. Uh, you see, what happened then was they, they say people in England, they were allowed to go down the small claims court. So we tried here in Ireland, a few people tried in Ireland, but over England, uh, over Brexit, we were, they weren't in Europe anymore, so we couldn't get refunds. Okay. People okay. in England to get refunds uh, from small claims court. The Irish people couldn't. So, so what are you going to do? What are you going to um, do? They have a link. They put a link up on the page there last night now to say that um, Alpha Rooms are gone bust. And please contact uh, the, T- the TTA. Travel the Trust Association. Yeah. yeah. So send our details to them. And I did. I submitted this through email. And it said I'd be waiting seven days for a reply. So I'm just like seven days to well six days now to wait okay. to see what's going to happen. Okay, I'll try and get uh, actually. Let me get let me get an, op- an update from an expert and stay listening because he may well be able to shed some light on this. Okay, thanks for now, Tracy. Stay in touch. Owen Corey is with Air and Travel Magazine. Owen, good morning. Good morning. Ned. Does this impact on many Irish people? I wonder. Alpha rooms. Um, it impacts on a small, but it's um, pretty dramatic. The impact that it has. 
They're not big traders in Ireland. They're not based in Ireland. They're not under the Irish licensing system, as we've just heard. And that uh, means it's a mess. Yeah. Um, I used them once, actually, and uh, got to a hotel in Washington, D.C., only to be told there was no room. Um, it was a complete and utter nightmare. I had to go to another hotel, Alpha rooms back and forth. They promised a refund. I eventually just gave up. Are they... Um, are they they're gone bust, is it because they just didn't do good work or what? Well, they were caught by COVID in the way that everybody else was. The way um, the, the room, the, these are, Alpha Rooms is not the only one. Um, they, they're intermediaries. They don't own any hotels. They actually don't even have a shop. They operate completely an internet business. When they go to hotels with a proposition, uh, we sell X number of rooms uh, we want it at this rate. Yeah. Uh, that means they can mark it up. And then uh, they just uh, deliver the scale of business that the hotels like. If you've got a hotel with 180 rooms and you know you've, you can sell 160 of them, they'll take the extra 20 yes. and sell them first. Yes. A bit like Booking.com, isn't it? Same idea. Very, uh, booking.com are, the, are, the, are mega. They are the ones that uh, uh, sort of everybody's heard of and they effectively rule the industry. There are about, there are over 300 others who all want to be Booking.com and operate at various levels. Um, we would have, some of them have been based in Ireland. We've had a couple, we've had two of the uh, them that went bankrupt or didn't fail when, uh, when they were operating in Ireland. Every time they fail, there's a huge problem. They're pretty new um, in that they've emerged over the last 10, 15 years. They aren't covered by traditional legislation. And the hotel doesn't want to know because the contract, uh, the, the, the customer isn't the only one not getting paid here. The hotel doesn't That's get true. paid here. That's true. So somebody, somebody arrives um, in a hotel and we had a, we had one going during the middle of a Leaving Cert holiday uh, season. When you can imagine what that was like, gangs of lads turning up in Santa Ponza and we're told um, um, that the, they were their rooms were not uh, paid for, and now we want the money. The hotel looking for the money for the rooms. So it, because you're, it's a middleman that's going bust. You, the consumer, is caught for the money. And the there's no bond. Is the there, there's no comeback through ITAA or anything like that? No. No, there isn't because there is no bonding for uh, a bed bank. There is no bonding. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're, uh, if you've booked some of the agents will use bed banks. And if the bed bank goes uh, bust, the agent is forced uh, by law to cover the cost and the loss from that. Mm. And they, they're grumpy about it, but they always do it. Because if a middleman goes bust, uh, you've no, you're no contract with the hotel. If the hotel goes down, you've got a, uh, you've got a case. Um, and the other thing that's cropping up in your calls is that it's no business at the airline. The airline has no interest no, if, no. You're, if your hotel or your middleman has gone bust. And they say, well, the flight took off. Uh, you weren't on it. It's as if you decided not to go. So getting money back off an airline is also an issue. Now, if you've booked with your travel agent, bonded, uh, as you say, under the Commission of Aviation Regulation, uh, flightrights.ie, it covers all of that sort of stuff, you're fine. But uh, if you're booked directly with a middleman, no matter how big or no matter how small they are, and there's a problem, um, you've got no comeback because your contract is not with the hotel. Okay, okay. So that's where we're at with uh, Alpha Rooms. They do say, incidentally, that you're better off ringing and uh, booking directly with hotels. You'll get a better deal and sometimes an upgrade or they might even throw in a breakfast. Uh, that's what I found in the past anyway. Any thoughts on that? 
this is a very, very interesting one. The contracts that the middlemen and booking is the biggest, they're very powerful, are that the hotel cannot offer a cheaper rate than booking.com. And they do look at the hotel websites. And if the, if the room is up for five euro lo- lower than um, the, the contract with the middleman, they'll go after them. But if you ring the hotel... Ring them, knows. though, is different. <laughs> Absolutely. Nobody knows except you and them. Yeah. And a lot of people do. Is, and hotels hate this, and they hate when I give this advice, but I'm giving it anyway. Um, <clears throat> when you see a price, uh, a good price on the internet, you ring the hotel and you say, this is the price on the internet. Um, but rather than then taking a percentage, I can book directly with you. Uh, um, what can you do? And as you say, uh, uh, and a, a breakfast. They'll match it. And sometimes they'll, you can say, okay, and will you, I'll book it with you and I'll pay you no problem. Will you throw in breakfast? A lot of the time they'll uh, say yes. That's this and a little chocolate flake on top of my ice cream. All of those little incentives are all there. But the thing, you you know, they're booking directly at the hotel. They love us. There's another, there's loads of, of, they're not scams because they're not illegal, but there's lots of awful things happening. I've, you can actually go to Google an Irish hotel and have a website that looked exactly like the hotel website and uh, you find you've booked through one of these middlemen. Oh, and uh, it's, it's, you know, they, ate, they, they imitate the hotel websites and the hotels can do very little. Online about. is the it's Wild West. I'll be, co- I'll be coming back to that in a second with a Facebook marketplace scam. Okay, just, just briefly, secondly, you're aware that KLM will be flying in and out of Cork Airport when it reopens and um, it is great news but not for people who are booking with KLM who apparently get charged twice. Now I know they don't end up paying twice but they they pay the full fare and the replicated fare, a second amount is frozen in their account for 10 days. Why? Why? This, okay, there's a couple of things that could be going on here. It could be um, an issue with the merchant services, with the bank, uh, because the terms and conditions that merchant services have for airlines and for travel have been changed massively. Um, they have, because there was failures and the refunds and all of that, they've actually put they've actually put conditions in where money is sometimes frozen um, uh, to over a period of time to make sure that the transaction is viable. That could be what, and I, I obviously I'm talking about... I don't hold, that doesn't hold any water with me, on. <laughs> I mean, why would they do Why would they do that? Because merchant services have been caught by um, uh, travel, uh, travel companies that went bust and stuck the merchant services for the money. So the bank, they, the bank takes the money twice in case KLM does a runner? Basically, uh, that's it. you're doing it in your wonderfully uh, space to the point. But that is, that is, that they, they, that has happened. I'm not saying this is the case here, but I've come across that where merchant services terms and conditions have changed. The other thing that uh, could be could be, uh, that could be happening is that it shouldn't be happening on a direct booking with KLM's own website, but sometimes with a third party website. Um, they, you can have a double transaction that's co- that's co- come up in the past. That's a systems, uh, the way not the systems error, but the way the systems is configured. And uh, they're the two, the two most likely explanations. Well, Ryanair doesn't do it. Air Lingus doesn't do it. BA, Air Canada, United, Delta. I've never heard of anyone else doing this. Have you? And it's it's unusual, but I've heard. I haven't heard heard it happening with a major airline. I've heard it happening with smaller travel companies. But uh, as I say, um, without knowing the detail, they're the two most likely scenarios. You should just the- Google Google KLM double charging. You'll find pages and pages on Google 
of people, you know, they might have a family holiday flight, so it could cost two grand. They give the credit card details and there are two different amounts, 2,000 and 2,000 discharged, right? And then there's another charge in their bank account for each flight separately, which means that four grand is taken from their account temporarily. Um, and it means that they're two grand down and that could be to pay their bills, food, put petrol in the car, you know. Oh, absolutely. Because you can't touch that money once it's, it's taken frozen. out of your account. It's a, um, somebody's, okay, it's, it's a, either a systems error or a, a decision by somebody that uh, they're double, they're holding the extra. And uh, as I say, the two most likely explanations, the relationship between the airline and the merchant services company, you, it tends not to happen so much with a, a MasterCard and Visa as it does with diners and Amex. They're, they're the big player. They're the people who do that most often. And the second thing is that it's just a system there that somebody has put in a wrong code somewhere and this is happening. It's, um, is it, it I, I don't know, as again, I'm talking in the dark, is it happening in Internationally, uh, it, yeah. or it could yeah. it could it be could it be if, if it if it's on okay it's very unlikely that it's actually a policy decision to double our cash for cash flow reasons or anyone and for reasons to like bolster that. a bank account or to bolster a bank balance to a bank account because uh, KLM is not a small airline running out of money like Norwegian okay. where uh, it's it's a major international airline part of the Air France Group. So I would be really surprised if uh, this, there's a policy going on here. Anyway, the best way, you know, airlines are impossible to, to, they were almost impossible to get through to, but since COVID, they're really impossible to get through to. If you're looking for a response from KLM and if you have an issue like that, easiest way to get a response is social media, that's direct right. tweets. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that's the way to go for it. Uh, nobody, they don't p- man the phone lines with the numbers that they used to and getting an email response is a nightmare. I think that's fair to be said number. about any company really. Get online, uh, get on Twitter. Direct tweet, yeah, direct yeah. tweet is, is probably your best they, they way. And live chat. Yeah. If the, li- uh, the live chat, they should, they do have a live chat facility. Live chat should be able to okay. uh, sort it out. Okay, well we did contact Cork Airport. I, I'm not sure of the circumstance but that's the best idea. Oh, fair, fair play. Yeah. Okay, well, we did contact Cork Airport and they said it's not an issue they can comment on. We need Absolutely. to talk to, no, to KLM. Just, just finally then on... on Al- very, very far away from that. I can tell you uh, without a doubt. Okay, yeah. they have other fish yeah. to fry. Just with regards, so with Alpha Rooms, if anybody has been caught and is out of pocket, do they have any recourse by law now to an overseas company like them? You, yes, and um, the small claims court, the English regulator are, are all options. But the reality is that European consumer law, which was the, the last port of call for all of us, doesn't apply in England uh, anymore. Okay. That's a big drama for us. But I would really be surprised if um, um, claims going through the English court on behalf of Irish clients are not um, don't have a result. Okay. The real problem is Alpha Rooms may have no money to pay. Uh, and as I say, it's a middleman gone bust, not a hotel or an airline. So we're, you're in deep trouble trying to catch a middleman, especially when they're not probably right. And, and especially if they probably have no money. But feel free to hold on if you want, because uh, I think Al- I that, Tara, I Tara yeah, wants sorry. to talk to you directly. So hold on a second. Absolutely. Tara, good morning. Yeah. Hi, Neil. Good morning. Now, you're three um, grand morning, down. Tara. You wanted to, Yeah, go ahead. To own this area. Go ahead. Yeah. Hi. Uh, yes, we're um, just slightly over 3, 000, um, about 3,300 euros. We booked an all-inclusive holiday to Bella Medina with Alpha Rooms, flights included. Oh, no. Um, oh, no. And we have been put on the long finger since the very beginning. And um, it's just, I'm fuming, to be honest with you. I just couldn't believe it there when I heard it on news. 
um, show their their um, their gun bust. It's just they are just diabolical to deal with. To be honest with you, um, I've we have never spoken to a manager. We've always been told that they've been on a meeting or they're out. Um, we have just lost it. I suppose at this day. I don't. How know do you know? How do you know? When is the holiday? The holiday was meant to be um, June. Last year, Neil. And you didn't go because of COVID and you had... Exactly, postponed yeah. it to, Was it postponed or did you rebook tickets or did they rebook a hotel? Um, well, we were told we were told at the beginning that we'd be giving a refund credit note. So we said, fair enough, but sure, things got worse then, obviously, with COVID. So we said, we just want, we wanted a refund. And they said that they'd have to... Um, get all our bank details and we we're after sending our bank details to them more than three or four times I say Neil So you think um, it's gone do you? They never actually rebooked you for another date issued with new instructions to where you were going no, and were when hotel meant to issue us um, a refund into, back into our account and yeah. we're still waiting we're still waiting we have um, Do you pay with a credit card? Yeah credit card yeah Oh and can, can't the credit card company just do a charge back on that? She may be, yes, they can, but she may be timed out on that. In what you sense? You have 120 days. Oh, man, really? So, um, do t- do check that now if you can charge back with the, with the credit note situation. But the reality is that uh, it's a middleman. There isn't much recourse except uh, in the court country where it's registered. And like uh, it, it's quite clear. Uh, you, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to work out that Alpha Rooms, when all was going well, they, their money was coming in, they were paying out. And then uh, when COVID hit, they ran into a cash crisis, staggered through, tried to buy time with credit notes. When people were looking for refunds, uh, they were kicking for touch all the That's time. That's reckless trading, Owen. Oh, yeah. That's reckless trading. Uh, it, it was, they, when they ran into trouble, they started reckless trading. Uh, they weren't the only ones to do it. We saw quite a few casualties right across Europe, but um, they were their their cash flow ran out. They needed uh, okay. What what the big travel companies and they include our big aviation companies. They include our big airlines. When COVID struck and the scale of COVID was clear, they went to the banks. They got the credit terms to get them through it without having to uh, kick customers around. That's what uh, the IAG, the major airlines did. That's what our major aircraft Ryanair sat on the Ryanair paid 1 billion, uh, 1 billion euro in euro refunds. Not everyone has that sort of cash. Way down the food chain, the Alpha Rooms were struggling, um, you know, f- f- staggering from week to week. And uh, it's from, you what? know, that thing, oh, the managers in the meeting, all of that stuff. They're all classic delay tactics. Uh, tactics. Uh, oh, we'll pay her when we have the money, but we don't have it now. So is it, ca- is it the case that Tara's money is gone, 3,300 euro? Um, possibly, um, there is there is there is a chance um, that you know there would be a compensation fund available uh, under the English legislation in Ireland if it was a licensed bonder. Um, it's not though. It, 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 it's not. But let's say this had happened in Ireland, there is an emergency fund so that even when the company runs out of money, um, everybody like her will be paid. Now there is an English equivalent. But I don't know if Alpha Rooms are covered by the legislation. What should she do? She's three thousand three hundred euro down. And the, the English equivalent of the aviation regulators, the CAA, we contact them. I think somebody has already been through to uh, Travel Trust. 
uh, in one of your other callers. So there is a a process in England to chase the money, but it's not not looking hopeful. I don't want to build up false hopes here, Uh, but there is a process to chase the money and it's on... uh, They've said they cannot pay refunds uh, at all. They've come out and said that. Yeah, yeah. There is a process to chase it, but it's quite clear they just ran out of cash. Tara, what do you, what do you think? What do you think? That's not the response you want to hear. No, I'm I'm devastated. To be honest with you, absolutely devastated, because at the very beginning we did believe them that they were going to issue the money back into the account, but as it went on and on, um, there was, as I said, the customer service and everything. It's every time we rang, we got onto somebody different, um, and we just couldn't. At the end of the day, we couldn't even get onto a manager. Frightening, yeah, you know, know. And, and do and do explore the chargeback option with the credit card. See if the if your bank will reverse the transaction, yeah, Tara. Definitely, yeah, definitely. So sorry. Do come back and let me know if you have any success. All right. Sorry, Tara. Oh, I can't be finger better you. news. All right. Take care, Tara. Oh, and thanks so much for taking the call, as always. Okay, thanks for now. Owen Corrie with Air and Travel Magazine on Facebook. Back after the break on 1850-104-106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at NeilRedFM. And you pick up the phone as well on 1850-104-106. I also booked a holiday with Alpha Rooms in January 2020 for April 2020. I ended up eventually going through the small claims court in the UK on the 5th of October and received my money back on the 22nd, I used a relative's address in the UK, but nothing gets sent there. Everything is through email. I got the full holiday payment back of 1059 but not the court fee, which costs me €93. Euro. I'm quite sure you were happy to pay the court fee. I know, do you know what I mean? Reservedly happy, I suppose, but at least you got the bulk of it back. Very interesting to use a UK address uh, to pursue it. In fact, I think that's exactly what Mary did. It might come as a maybe a plan for Tara's three thousand three hundred euro. Mary, good morning. Hang on a second. Let me get my phone lines organized. There you are, Mary. Morning. Hi. Good morning. This is very interesting because it may well help people. This information. You also used Alpha Rooms. It went pear shaped, did it? It did. Yeah, we were waiting for I'd say over a year for our refund. And I went through the UK Small Claims Court. I pretended I used my sister-in-law's address in London and I had my refund within one week. And that worked because there was no postal address on record for you at all. It was all emails before that, wasn't it? It was all emails, yeah. I could never get through to them or anything. You didn't have to go to court or small claims court. You just used a relative's address. It was so easy. So easy. I had it done in 10 minutes on my phone. And the refund was in my account the next week. I wonder, is it that is it too late for people now? Why did you want the refund? Because when my husband, he was um, eager, he, he he really thought that they would go bust, you know. That, and we just, yeah, we already had a credit note before that. He just had a feeling that they were going to go under. They subsequently have now. So I wonder, would your plan work now? Yeah. Well, I, I, I think she should thank that this was only about, it was only six weeks ago. I know. It wasn't all that far you ago. Know? Yeah, it wasn't all that no. far ago. So for Tara and her 3,300 euro, if she wants to go through the same process of a refund, assuming they have money to pay out, and I don't know whether they do or not, she should find a UK address, friend or relation or something. Definitely. And they never use that address. They'll never contact that address or anything. Okay. There could be some help in that. There could be some help in that. And you get a full refund, 1,800, was it? 
I got a full refund. Yeah. Okay. All right. You dodged a full bullet refund. there. Fair play to you. Thanks. So, this, um, Sorry. Hello. Yeah. Can you? Sorry, we... There's also a, a group on Facebook. If she's joined with them, it's the No um, Support for No Refund Alpha Room. That's support. where I got all my information from. Support for No Refund Alpha Rooms. Check it out, lads. If you've booked with Alpha Rooms, they've gone bust. Uh, you need to start making some sort of a plan to try and get your money back. Thanks, Mary. Thank you so much. Using a UK address and getting it back. Uh, I'm from Ireland as well. They owe me €1,120. I was just on to a lovely lady in my bank, AIB, and she was so helpful. I paid half on debit card and half a month later, a month later, uh, on credit card. They've set up a dispute case for me at the bank and I just have to forward on all my info, all my screenshots to an email address at AIB. I'm sure most Irish banks have this too. I'm not even going to attempt looking for the money. So Antoinette is going to try and get it back through AIB with a, a chargeback. Orla says, I'm Irish. Uh, both my sisters and I are owed €6,000 between us. Other people are saying it's not possible to claim back through the bank as we booked in January 2020, but I'm going to try anyway. Owen Corrie says because it was paid for back in 2020, and that's like nearly 20 months ago, uh, January 2020, that it may be too late that there's a statute of limitation as to, I think he said it's 120 days for a chargeback. So thank you for that. There's a lot of people have been stung for a lot of money. Uh, I booked two holidays in 2020 with Alpha Rooms. We were, we are, we were owed over 2,000 euro in a refund. After listening to your expert, is there any hope of getting my money back? Try your bank with regards to uh, your credit card, if you paid by credit card. Try the option of trying to use somebody with a UK address. Um, or try and Google, if you can, the Travel Trust Association, the TTA in the UK, because apparently they may be able to help as well. But Alpha Rooms, they have a sister company as well called Teletext Holidays. Both have gone bust and they've admitted that they cannot refunds at this point. I just heard about Alpha Rooms. I just want to cry. They have €2,566.35 belong to us. We booked for July next year and have told the kids all about the holiday. We need this holiday as we've had a bad few years like everyone. But for my mental health, I needed this holiday. The holiday was keeping me going. Can't come on air. I am just so upset and so shocked. It's heartbreaking. If there, keep those calls coming, actually, on those texts. Text 0868104106 if you've been caught. Um, and we may come back to it throughout the course of the morning. Uh, if there are more calls, I certainly would put them to wear. And if there's any developments in the Alpha Room story, I'll certainly return to it. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Another bit of good news for those of you that love your bingo. And I will be coming back later on to loco bingo texts from people who were at it at the weekend. My apologies for not doing them sooner. But uh, good news for those of you that like your bingo because bingo is starting up at Napishig Hurlingham Football Club tomorrow. And that's the 4th of November, 8 p.m. sharp. And they want all their patrons back COVID restrictions will be in place, but everyone's welcome uh, if you're COVID compliant. That's from the Pierschigs, 8 o'clock tomorrow night. Good to see things uh, coming back, and we're optimistic going forward. Lines are open, 1-850-104-106. You can text 0868-104-106. Now, I referenced the front page of the Echo this morning with the big headline in it saying, My Only Chance to Survive. And her only chance to survive is to get inpatient treatment for eating disorders, anorexia, 
and bulimia. Is Anne Murphy's story in the Echo? In effect, back in the day, Anne Murphy actually spoke to the young girl involved, uh, Lisa Murphy. But earlier, when she was dealing with this story, um, uh, Lisa was anonymous at that stage, but has come forward now and is talking publicly and joins me by phone. Lisa, good morning. Hi, Neil. Thanks so much for having me on. I know it's not the easiest conversation for you in the world, so I am very grateful for yeah, you, okay. to you for chatting, um, particularly with regards to what you've gone through uh, down through the yeah. years and the importance now. And I will come to the GoFundMe campaign, but again, yeah. this is about getting the money to get you the treatment for your need, you need or else you will die. Yeah, you know, and I suppose I wouldn't say that lightly, really. No, um, no. It really no. is a last resort. Um, to be honest, there's a part of me wonders how I'm still here right now. Um, you know, there's been many um, very kind of dangerous situations that I've been, I've put myself in so far. Um, so even the fact that I'm still here is a bit of a miracle, to be honest. It's a, you're so just, it really is you're just so brave to be, to be able to, you know, come out and say, I desperately need this help. And, and, and a lot of your friends rallying behind you as well. I mean, oh, yeah, they're amazing. The situations you've, you've put yourself in the past included suicidal ideation, suicide attempts, and self harm. Mm. You're, you're, yeah. only, you're, you're only 30. Um, when did this start to develop the double whammy of bulimia and anorexia? Is yeah, it like I 10 years? Yeah, so kind of teenage, kind of adolescence, I was very just doing the kind of the, the crash diets and the whole lot, but nothing too extreme, even though that's not good behaviour either, but, you know, nothing too extreme. And um, it, it was when I kind of went into first year in college, um, it really took off with the bulimia. And then I kind of, bulimia would kind of be the, the predominant one, uh, but I have kind of very kind of, long periods of anorexia then kind of intermittently over, over the years um, where um, it would go the, the complete kind of opposite way. And um, where, so did the, kind of, where did the compulsion 10 or 15 years ago as a teenager come from to yeah. diet and body image? Was it something from I, online? Was it things you were seeing? Um, I don't, I think it was, um, I was always, even as a child, I would I would hide food a lot. I was very... Uh, controlling around food. I, I didn't like anyone else, you know, taking my food and stuff. So I was, I always had a very unhealthy relationship and kind of it, it brought me an awful lot of comfort as a child that looking back now, it it wasn't right, but I didn't, I didn't understand it, you know. Um, and then I think, but I was a very, very thin child and teenager. Um, but I think when you kind of become an adolescent girl and it's all about com- comparing yourself with others and what your body looks like compared to everybody else's. I just began, uh, you know, it kind of creeped into my, started to creep into my mind that I was fat when I, I absolutely wasn't. Mm. Like looking back now, I, re- I really wasn't. Um, but, you know, you just get these things into your head and then the kind of crash dieting started and, and the binging and it kind of, it just gets more severe um, and it progresses kind of without you even realising that it's, it's progressing until until it's at a point where you can't really come back okay. without, without okay. help. Okay, crash dieting, binging, over-exercising, yeah. wonder? Yeah, yeah, that started in college as well. I was in the gym every day, sometimes twice a day. Um, just, yeah, just constant. Now, I don't, I go in and out of that as well. Um, I Any- have periods of months of very high-intensity exercise all the time, but, um, and then I have months where I'm just too tired to, to do it, like my body won't allow me to do it. 
And in those early days, because uh, I know subsequently your friends picked up on it. I think it was on a, an overseas holiday. We'll come to that. But did yeah. your family notice your struggles at all? Your daily struggle? Um, I actually, so I, I, I actually didn't really um, hide it from my parents for too long. I, I did tell them when I was about nineteen, and at the time we did have health insurance, and and you know um, I did some um, cognitive behavioural therapy, um, and they they really did their best to get me the help that I needed. But I um, I I then became very secretive after that. Um, once I kind of had had a few you know therapy sessions, and everyone was thinking that I should be fine, then. I then became very secretive and that's how it progressed to the point that it is now, really. Because um, you yeah. did say, and this was an anonymously at the time, um, yeah. the most accurate way to describe the compulsion to binge eat is that it mm-hmm. is as strong a compulsion as the need to breathe. That's yeah. what you said. It feels yeah, as if you will die if yeah. you can't get your hands on more food. Yeah. It's, it's a very... Um, I, I really can't describe it to people that don't experience it, but it, it, what it kind of, the way it feels when it's happening is that it's, it's not me, that something else is kind of taking over and that I'm just kind of going along um, along for the ride is kind of how I put it, that I'm just going along for the ride and that somebody else is in control, even though I know that's not the case. I, I'm doing these things myself, but it's a very, you're, you kind of, you disassociate really. Correct, and, it's disassociation um, from the action yeah. and from your body. And then of course, yeah. where you where you have to get your hands on food, you said that you will then die if you can't vomit it up and it's a vicious circle. Yeah, yeah. The the panic that comes over me if I feel full, it, it's something, it, it's really it's a horrific feeling um, and it's led me to you know uh, do things that I, I'm not proud of you know I, I would purge or like or vomit as, as um, people would know it better as um, like literally anywhere it doesn't have to be a toilet um, if, if I feel full in any way or if I have food in me I I, 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 I just panic and I have to, to bring it up um, in order just to feel okay you know but then that has a lot of a lot of negative consequences then for my health then. Yeah, and I know as a young girl with friends, you you, you were saying that sometimes you'd be upstairs alone in your room eating, purging, self-harming, eating, purging, self-harming. And what are you hearing downstairs? The laughing and joking of your housemates, I suppose. Yeah, that's it. Like I... It's I, I I miss out on an awful lot because while, you know, most people... You know, and it's great. They can, they can just have food together, and it's you know a kind of a communal thing, and spend time together, and you know spend time with your friends. I just I can't do that. All I want to do is just be on my own to to eat as much as I can, and and harm myself in in any any way that I can really. Um, and it's a very lonely existence, is is the way I would describe it. You know, I'm I, I'm I'm very lucky. I have a, an awful lot of great people around me, but I'm also like terribly lonely to be honest it's just it's not it's not a a nice way to live your life when you can see other people you know enjoying life and having a good quality of life and I'm there on my bedroom floor getting sick into a plastic bag you know um it's just not it's not great really I can be sure of that and uh you you must you must really uh, criticize yourself, do you? I mean, like because I know you yeah. said that. that you, I think you you said I wouldn't even consider calling any other human being the names I call myself. What what names? Oh, geez, I couldn't even repeat them, um, no. Neil. To be honest, but the, I suppose you know just 
the ones I could repeat would be, you know, um, fast, stupid, um, uh, you know, disgusting. Um, I, I just sometimes there I, I'd write out actually the, the things that like I'm saying to myself and it, I really, I, I genuinely can't imagine ever speaking to another person like that and I kind of, it would make me upset then because I'd be thinking like why why am I speaking to myself like that, you know, but it's, it's kind of this automatic voice, it's just this automatic you're this, you're that, nobody likes you, nobody wants to be around you and then I suppose what happens then is that I, I I'll then isolate myself or, or sometimes even um, be very cold and distant. And I can see my friends and family just wondering, like, what is wrong? Like, you know, what's wrong with you? But I just find it very hard to articulate then what's actually going on internally. It's it's, it's just like a big storm, really, is, is the only way I can put it. And when did your when did your pals notice something was wrong? I know you lived abroad at one stage and mm-hmm. um, I think your housemates were picking up uh, on food going missing was was that the case yeah see I, well I lived I went I was over actually um, in the States on a Fulbright scholarship as part of my um, PhD and so you go over really on your own so the, the two women I was living with I, I didn't know them before I um, moved there and um, yeah it's just you know in the middle of the night when I, when I when I'm off and I I physically can't get I I've eaten all my food and I you know all the takeaways are closed um and the shops are closed and stuff I just I I'll eat anything I'll eat other people's food I'll eat from the bin I'll you know and I from the bin I, I Lisa to, really yeah yeah really a misfortune really yeah, yeah. it's um it's 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 really it's not it's 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 I I it's a monster of a thing I can't even articulate it but I, like I, I once had to convince one of my housemates like when I was living abroad that um, someone was coming into our apartment at night stealing our food because I just couldn't I was so ashamed like I couldn't tell her that I'd eaten all her food and, and then I'm there every morning you know running around trying to go and buy food to replace the food that, of other people that I've eaten you know it's just it's just a really kind of chaotic um, lifestyle it's chaos, yeah. That's a word yeah, to sum it up, isn't it? Chaos. And it's a chaos yeah. that you, it's a chaos that you want to end, isn't it? Because rather than yeah. criticizing yourself and writing down the negatives, you want to create a world where you yeah. can see the positives in your life going forward. Yeah, to be honest. Do you, you know, when I you look at your body, like because I know you, you referenced even even showering, you 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 look at the ceiling. Yeah. Do, do you see a completely different body to everybody else? I I I, I must really because I you know. Yeah, like I know rationally or kind of objectively, I'm I'm very thin, but um, it's this sense of like it's kind of like just a crawling in my own skin is the only way I can describe it. Um, and I I do find it very hard to look at certain parts of my body and um, or even even be intimate with people. You know, I find that very difficult. Um, because I just I really I I can't stand the the size of how I look and um even though I know like I can tell by my clothes size that I'm very thin obviously like I look at the the clothes that I have and they're very small so that in that sense I'm like I know I'm I'm thin but it the feeling of it is very very different yeah but that poor old body it must be in an awful lot of pain is it it no, is physical to be pain honest, it's I yeah I I I I, I, I I have pain all the time. Like it's just a generalized pain, and I think you know the the behavior of purging or getting like forcing yourself to get sick is very um, difficult. It's it's a difficult thing to do as much as 
as I do it. So, you know, I have a lot of bruises and things and I do different things to my body to, to try and um, get rid of food, like, or bring food up. Or, um, so it's, yeah, I'm constantly in, in some sort of pain. Like You're doing, at you war know, with your body. Things. You're at war with it. And, yeah. you know, that acid is probably destroying your teeth, I'd say, is it? Yeah, I have, I have, I can't remember the last time I was at a dentist, but I have, you know, I've had to have, like, uh, there's a big one tooth is just totally in half, like half is after falling out. I, I've had a couple of teeth removed because of this, and I don't even know how many cavities I have. It's, uh, my teeth are destroyed, yeah. Is your eyesight going, I wonder? Because there can be a it consequence to yeah. it. Yeah, it's terrible. Like it, I, this, and that's only kind of in the last couple of years. But I, I can't believe it, how downhill it's it's gotten, uh, or it's it's gone. It's just different things, I suppose, that I could have got uh, that I was getting away with in my early and mid twenties. That now my body is is just not really working the way. And they have goes. told you about organ failure and damage to organs and potential loss of life, and that isn't making yeah. a difference, like at the moment, is it? Yeah. Absolutely, like that. you know, I, I, yeah, like I don't get periods. I, you know, my digestive system is absolutely totally out of whack. Um, you know, I, I take uh, ferocious mental laxatives, and and they're very dangerous. But it, I, in as much as you know, professionals tell me how dangerous it is what I'm doing, and I know that it, it doesn't seem to make a difference. I'm, I just can't, I can't overcome this at all, really. What's the last two years been like, 20 months or so? Because we know of increases in all sorts of issues yeah. regarding our lives, the negative ones. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering about bulimia, eating disorders, anorexia, with regards to, say, isolation or loneliness, and people have had increased yeah. anxiety. Did, did that really hammer yeah. you? Honest to God, it, it did. I Before COVID, like before the pandemic, I... You know, I remember thinking like, "Oh, this, this, like, this can't get any worse." Like, just the way I'm living, but it honestly reached a level I, I can't even comprehend. During the the lockdowns, it just took on a, like, just the feelings of it, the, the loneliness, the um, I, I did things to myself during lockdown that I, I didn't even think I never even thought of doing before. Um, I, you know, with the working from home. Um, I was spending really uh, like at one. I think it was by by kind of winter twenty twenty. I was spending about twenty one hours plus a day in my room. You know, just if I wasn't, you know, like obviously trying to sleep, but not sleeping too much. But either trying to work or pretending to work, and then just eating and getting sick and eating and getting sick, just constant. Um, in my room on my own and while I was living with you know these bunch of amazing people they were so lovely and um, so friendly and great to live with I just couldn't um, it just got very dark really um, at one point and I didn't see a way out of it and um, unfortunately you know I did attempt to end my life it didn't work um, but the support since has been has been incredible You know I, I'm just looking um you know, at some of the responses uh, from the HSE that Anne Murphy got, uh, and one of them yeah. was to deal with a topic we just mentioned there, of course, loneliness, isolation during lockdown. Apparently, there was also um, problems for people suffering like you do with food insecurity, anxiety that um, yeah. that there would be a lack of food supply at supermarkets. I mean, were you yeah. were were you that were you that out of your mind? That you were thinking like um, that. The, I when I w- what people felt there is what I feel 
all the time, even when outside of COVID, I'm I'm constantly oh, yeah, yeah. worried about where I'm I'm going to get my food, and you know I'm I'm a professional woman, and you know I I try to contribute to society as best I can, but like I the the stealing food at the moment is is also very out of control, like the amount of food that I'm stealing from shops because I just can't financially afford this eating disorder either anymore. How how do you do, how do you do that? I just the way anyone else would feel. Um, you know, I'm not proud of Anil. I can't believe I'm even admitting this now on a radio show. But these are the, the the levels that I'm stooping to in order to to like I suppose deal with this eating disorder. It's, it's totally taken over my life. It's changed who I am as a person, um, and it's making me do things that are not you know I wasn't raised to do. Um, it's making me hurt myself in ways that I know you know, nobody should be doing these things to themselves and it's it's making me do things that I don't want to do, but um, unfortunately, so you know, this is where I am. Sheer and utter desperation yeah. um, to satisfy this disease, this voice in your yeah. head. Um, yeah. You will go into a supermarket and risk risk being caught or risk a yeah. guard being called or a criminal yeah. prosecution or a yeah. court appearance. Yeah, yeah. Were you ever caught? No, no, not not so far. And it like doesn't I, matter what I, food, I, I suppose. It can be anything that's easily takeable, yeah. is it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really yeah. Because, like, I mean, could you? I mean, even even stopping to think about the amount of money that's involved in constantly buying yeah. and eating food it must like be. If I showed you my bank account, like all that's on it is Spar, Tesco, McDonald's, Burger King. Um, Centra, like it's just, it's it's unbelievable the amount of money that I'm like I I can't comprehend it. Like if I think about it too much, I I, I it's very overwhelming the amount of money that I'm spending. And you know I have friends there that are getting mortgages. I have friends that have savings accounts, and you know they're going traveling, they're doing things with their lives, and um. You know, I had to take out a little, like it was a, a very, very small credit union loan there to go on the first holiday that I've gone in in years uh, with my friends. Um, and even over there, any money that I had um, was was gone on food. It, it was just like while my friends were going buying clothes and stuff like that, like I, I would go off by myself and just and just eat and get sick and eat and get sick and eat and get sick. Like that was the whole. It's just it, I can't fathom the amount of money and. Um, you know, family. I've borrowed money off family members and friends and stuff, and then I try to pay it back, but it's just this vicious cycle. You need to break the cycle. I've I've, I've spoken with people in the past uh, who have suffered with bulimia, anorexia, sometimes both, and, and others with many different addictions. I have to say, but I don't think I've ever heard anybody be so open and so honest with regards to their life, their lifestyle, or the carnage in their lives with regards to bulimia. Yeah. And anorexia. Can, can you can yeah. you hold on? I just want to take an ad break and then look to the future, yeah. if that's okay with you, Lisa. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Neil. Okay. Yeah, back you. in a second. I will give out some helpline numbers as well. That's back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. Eighteen fifty one oh four one oh six. Red FM. So, Lisa, looking to where we're at now and to going forward, your friends now have decided that it is time for all of us to help you. Before, of course, you were. Anonymous and dealing with Anne Murphy, who is doing incredible work these days, in yeah, fairness to her. Amazing. Uh, yeah, and I'll come back to that amazing. on her work in, in a few minutes' time. But w- what I have learned actually through Anne is that 
because you don't have private health insurance, mm-hmm. you can't get the access to inpatient care that you need. It costs somewhere in yeah. the region of 60000 You can't get a referral mm-hmm. through the public system. There are only three inpatient beds on the public system for eating disorders, and the three of them are yeah. in Dublin. Um, and that's part of your conversation with, with me this morning to help. Yeah. And, and also, by speaking out, you will give numerous other young girls and boys young men and women, all ages, to yeah. be honest with you, in 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 same position to you, you will give them incredible hope, I think, because of your searing honesty. So yeah. the the treatment Hopefully. the treatment is expensive, but it's your only chance, isn't it? Yeah, and you know, I know it might seem like a very drastic thing to say, you know, that uh, I'll die if I don't do this, but it, it, it is it is at that point and you know, um, I've almost died a, a couple of times now and it really is at that point. And I, in my heart of hearts, think this is the only thing that will give me a chance. I honestly, me, like, I don't know if it'll work. <laughs> you know, I, I can't predict what's going to happen, but I think it's, it's what will give me a fighting chance. I think um, you have a great chance and, and um, far be it for me to, you know, you know, row in on this. I'm no medical yeah. expert. A lot of the time I'm told, though, down through the years, dealing with stories like this on the air is that Many people like you are actually in denial. You're not in denial. No, and that's the thing. I never really was. Um, I I was always very aware of what I was doing. Really, maybe the first couple of months um, when I was way back when I was nineteen or whatever um, that I was kind of thinking this is a great idea. But really, like I haven't been in denial for a very long time. Like I'm very aware. You're ready now. You're ready. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I suppose it's, it's the last resort. Uh, you know, my, I, I'm such an amazing group of family and friends, and I, you know, I feel like um, I think of my dad there and stuff, and just I suppose if anything was to happen, like how they would feel, and I just think I, I just think like uh, in my mind, I'm kind of thinking, look, just give it one last go. Yeah. Just give it like give it everything you have now. Yeah. Actually, talking about dads, I read an interview at the weekend. I think uh, maybe you might want to get your hands on it yourself. Um, I think it's in the Telegraph on Saturday. Do you know Brian Cox? He's the actor from Succession. Do you watch TV? Oh, I do. Yeah, I know Brian Cox. I know of Brian Cox, yeah. He's a super guy, right? Great actor. But his daughter um, has anorexia and bulimia in, in Scotland, and he spoke very, very openly and honestly about it in, the, yeah. in that interview. And he felt... He was he was talking about the the experience that for him was that uh, you know as a father a sense of helplessness and hopelessness yeah. that he would watch and and see his daughter um, and not be able to help uh, and yeah. he, he, it was I mean it was just very strong what he was saying you know you just mentioned your dad yeah. there and I don't want to second guess your dad but I imagine that's how they feel you know. Yeah, he's he's said it to me numerous times. Just tell me, you know, tell me what to do. Tell what me can what I do? do. And yeah. I can see the panic on his face a lot of the time. But um, there really is nothing anyone can do. You know, same with you know my other members of my family and friends and stuff. They they don't know what to do, and you know, there's nothing I I can tell them to do either because nothing seems to work. But today will be no different in the short term anyway. Today will be no different to yesterday. You will have your struggles today, won't you? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's it's a very much a daily thing. It's okay. not um yeah. you know, it's not just here or there, it's not intermittent, it's it's a daily thing. I know, I know. Hopefully for not too much longer though. Yeah, I suppose I like sometimes there I look at, you know, people eating and 
I really, I just can't believe how they can just eat and it's not, it's not a big ordeal or there's no, there's no big drama. Like uh, it, it, it really, like it actually fascinates me sometimes. I'm kind of going, how do people live this just normally? It's, I don't understand. Like, I don't understand how, how that works and I, I don't, know. I can't imagine how that would be, but I suppose, yeah, like ultimately that it would be amazing. If well, I want to be there. talking to you in six months time or nine months time or 12 months time. You know, and I want to hear of all of the improvements in your life and, you know, turning it around with the help of the professionals. I mean, body yeah, image is a big problem now, particularly with social media, yeah. you know, filtering and body changes and apps that are there. And, yeah, I mean, yeah. And I, I really, I, I, I um, feed into that myself, you know, I, I, it really, it does affect me, you know, the things that I put up or other people might put up and stuff like it's, it's a very strong um, it has a very strong effect on how, how I view myself, certainly. And I suppose, yeah, many think, others as well. I think part of your recovery might involve switching all that off. Yeah, yeah. Know? You know, yeah, the Go giving it the power. Yeah, the GoFundMe is set up by your friends, as I say. We're sharing it on the Red FM Facebook page. We're sharing it on Twitter at Neil Red FM as well. The goal is to hit sixty grand. I think they're yeah. they, they've maybe done fifteen and a half grand now. So we need to drive that on. It's a yeah. terrible shame that there are only three beds, though. God Almighty, why aren't there more? Yeah, I I really don't know. You know, and uh, like eating disorders have the highest mortality rate of, of any mental health condition and it's so desperately underfunded in this country I really I don't understand it to be honest um, I can only just hope that that can turn around I suppose with, with more people coming out and talking about it um, that there'll be more investment It's not the only area of the health service of course that needs investment Yeah, absolutely. but that's possibly for another day but right now uh, on Leaside and across the country and perhaps uh, around the world uh, we need to help and by helping um, turn your life around uh, and leave anorexia and bulimia in the past as a a, a distant memory so let's do that shall we let's drive that whatever people can afford and thank you for your honesty thank you for coming forward and and talking as openly and honestly and candidly as you have Um, thanks so much Neil thanks for having me on I really appreciate it because like I I, you know I need this money you know that's that's, that's the basic it's as simple as that this is your as they say as the echo says this morning it's your only chance to survive. So yeah. let's just yeah. all make that happen. You know, as yeah. little as people can afford to share. Let's do it, yeah. shall we? And we will chat Thank again, you. Lisa. And hopefully, Thanks, hopefully you'll be well on the road to recovery at that stage. All right. Yeah. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Okay, Lisa, take care of yourself. Bye. Bye-bye. Lovely, lovely girl. We wish her all the very best in the world. Um, and with our help, of course, she will reach it. So if you would like to... Um, contribute if you would like to support and again it it can be any amount that you feel that you can help with Um, the GoFundMe is set up by our friends we have it on our Red FM Facebook page it's on my Twitter page at Neil Red FM as well and we need to make that goal and if I know Cork people and I think I do uh, we will make it and I wouldn't be surprised if we make it quite quickly so let's go for it now there is an eating disorder centre in Cork for those of you that might um, be um, you know troubled by my conversation with Lisa or feel you or a family member might need help or intervention eating disorder centre Cork it's a Cork number 453 Double nine double zero, four five three double nine double zero, and there is a Bodywise helpline, and that's a Dublin number zero one two one zero seven nine zero six two one zero seven nine zero six, and I'll share those numbers again just before midday. Um, 
back after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-810-4106. Red FM. And you can pick up the phone on one 104 I read the most... Uh, we were talking about hospitality, particularly coming out of COVID and trying to get staff and, you know, talking with people within hospitality and then customers and things like that. And then we got talking about tipping and all those kind of things recently. And then yesterday I came across a study of all of that and lots more besides. It's a study of the working conditions in the hospitality sector in Ireland. It was done by NUI Galway. In fact, it was it was done by Dr. Deirdre Curran, who's written the report. And I read it in detail yesterday. I can't cover the entire report because it's quite lengthy, but she does join me by phone. Deirdre, good morning. Good morning, Neil. And this is an expe- in excess of what? 250, maybe I think it might have been 257 different individuals within hospitality that you, you actually got to talk with. Is that right? That's right. So what this is, is it's an account of the lived experience of 257 hospitality workers. And it's, and it's and Polish, Indian, Romanian, Croatian, Irish, Brazilian, well, British, Lithuanian, Czech, Italian, all over the world. <laughs> no, it's mostly Irish. Um, unfortunately, the... Um, the survey didn't tap into as much of the non-Irish workforce as I would have liked. And that could have been because the survey was too long and because it was written in English. So that's a whole other area that still has yet to be explored. Okay. All right. There are, there so are some of them, but there aren't many. Um, there are some of them. About 16% of yeah. the respondents were non-Irish. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I, what, my, what I always say is that if the lived experience of Irish workers is bad, you can be pretty sure that the lived experience of non-Irish workers in hospitalities is probably worse. So um, so this research is actually the first research that has ever been done in Ireland. This continues to astound me of the lived experience of hospitality workers. And um, because it was the first project that was ever done, I, I included everything, as you said there in your introduction. Yeah. I asked them about their employment rights. I asked them about their experience of ill treatment, whether they have a voice at work. I asked them about tips. I asked them about management practices. I asked them about all sorts of things. And so the the method was three things. There was an online survey um, with 38 questions, most of them asking for more detail. Um, and the average time that people took to complete that survey was 18 and a half minutes, which is incredible because people don't take time. They were to committed to respond. Yeah. I see that 88% of them said they're on minimum wage. Um, so there were a number of issues around employment rights. For example, 63% of them witnessed or experienced bullying. 63%, 55% witnessed or experienced harassment. Um, 77% experienced verbal abuse sometimes or often. 16%, which is a low percentage, experienced physical abuse sometimes or often. Now, that's a low number, but this is circumstances where someone in a position of power put their hands on an employee in an aggressive, intimidating or sexual manner. So, um, you know, 70% didn't get a Sunday premium. Uh, 52% didn't get their rest breaks. And rest breaks are there, you know, to give you a rest so that you don't fall down or have an accident at mm. work. Mm. Um, so the, the statistics on employment rights were pretty shocking. But I think what was, what was more shocking is the, is the evidence of ill treatment. You know, so 77% about, verbal abuse, 64% psychological abuse, um, yep. physical abuse. Uh, and then you, they, then you have people who responded to the survey actually giving examples of it. An older member of bar staff consequent, cons, con, consequently felt me up in the restaurant kitchen. Yep. The rest of the staff laughed. Yes. I mean, Another manager implied he would promote me if I accepted his favours. I assume those were yep. sexual. Yeah. 
So it's pretty shocking when you read the detail and Neil, I'm delighted that you've had a look at it. Uh, oh yes, it's oh written, yes. It's written intentionally in an accessible way. It's freely ab- available to anybody who, who wants to read it because my objective is to start a conversation that will will provoke positive change. Um, so, you know, um, so part of it, as I said, she was a survey, but also people submitted audio files from their phone answering three simple questions. What do you like about hospitality? What do you not like? And tell me about an incident where you felt unfairly or badly treated. And they do. One person was asked to perform a, a sex act on the manager because I didn't bring the lemons fast enough. Another one, oh, indeed. Another one yep. would, would, um, would find me in secluded corners of the kitchen or restaurant, tickle me, grab me unnecessarily. An older member of the bar staff inappropriate towards me during my time there, grossly and suggestively, uh, both alone and in front of other staff members. Um, again, met with laughter by all those who met. Um, I've experienced kitchen staff shouting abuse at waiting staff on many occasions. It just goes on and on. It does go on and on. And, you know, as you can see from the report, Neil, I've tried to include the actual voice of workers where possible because this is their story. This is their experience. And I'm an academic. I could put a very, you know, a very highfalutin spin on it. But these are the actual words of real people who have experienced um, all sorts of ill treatment in hospitality. Now, I do have to say uh, a couple of, you know, uh, disclaimers. One is... 257 respondents is a fraction of of the number employed in in the sector. So I'm not claiming this is representative. All I'm claiming is it's the first study and it's indicative and it's scary enough to warrant further investigation. The the subsection on abusive treatment, sorry, second point, go ahead, yeah, yeah. The second point is there are, uh, are there are really good employers out there, and I've come to know that since I published this research because people have contacted me and I've followed up with every single contact that has been made. So there are good employers out there who treat their workers with dignity and respect and still make a profit. In fact, I would argue, are likely to make more of a profit if you treat your people properly. But the research so says, yeah, the research says that when it comes to bullying, um, that the person who's doing the most bullying of staff is the owner. Well, it's usually people in a position of power. So okay, so that could be the, the owner, owner, the manager, the chef, or yeah, the chef. supervisor, even the customer. Um, but it's always someone in a position of power over the, over the employee. So they're limited in terms of what they can do about it. So, you know, I suppose the thing is we have, we, it, it, we have, we've reached a tipping point in hospitality because everybody knew this kind of thing was going on and yet it was accepted. The worst thing for me, it was actually accepted by the employees who were experiencing because the Because they treatment. felt that nothing would be done about it. Did they, com- did they complain? I mean, what were the consequences? I know there must have been consequences in their lives because you talk about, like, firstly, there was, um, the sexual aspects. Then there was racial slurs, shouting, yeah. uh, taunting. Yeah. Um, yeah. threats, uh, malicious gossip and rumours being circulated, being isolated by um, fellow staff members, uh, name-calling, intimidating behaviour. That is a consequence that led to, what, absenteeism, not being able to go to work because you're sick, going to work afraid, um, crying yeah, at work, things like that. It, but it's demeaning. And so I suppose the worst thing for me is it breaks people's self-esteem. It breaks their confidence. You know, they start to wonder, well, what is it about me rather than being able to stand up for themselves? So one of the things I asked them about was uh, the extent to which they had a voice in the workplace. And 48 percent of them, nearly every second hospitality worker who responded said they have no voice. 
So if something happened, if an incident happened, you know, when I asked them in the audio files, tell me about an incident, uh, what happened, what action did you take, what was the outcome and how did it make you feel? And that was really powerful um, method because you could hear in their voices, their actual voices, the hurt, the pain, the embarrassment, the humiliation. Um, so in terms of action, uh, most of them, reported to nobody because they're, they're possibly working in a small establishment, owner-managed establishment, mm. and if the owner-manager is the problem, you have nowhere to go. Yes, and it says in the research that uh, why was it not reported? And one of the, some of the more frequent reasons was they'd get sacked, um, they yeah. wouldn't be believed, the perpetrator yeah. was the owner, um, yeah. uh, that it was, uh, very alarmingly, that this was normal accepted behaviour in exactly. the industry. Exactly, that's, that's very alarming. Um, now that's changing, Neil, because as you know, there's a labour shortage in hospitality and suddenly there's a focus on the employee proposition in hospitality. How do we improve hospitality work um, so that people will want to work there? And so it's great timing for this research because in the research, we had lots of suggestions. I mean, by we, I mean the, the workers themselves had incredible suggestions for how things could be better. And so it's a, it's a Although it's negative in terms of the content, it's very positive in terms of the potential for change. Um, and so there's a lot that needs to be done. And I, I'm watching what's happening in the media, both here and in the UK and in the US, where there are similar challenges. Um, and things are changing. You know, you, you hear employers starting to talk about um, offering a better employee p- proposition to workers to encourage them in. But um, and that to, could be uh, anything... Yeah, I'm just wondering. There could be anything from better pay to uh, to decent work to opportunities for development to better training. Um, there's so much scope for improvement here that any little change is going in the right direction. Yeah, for sure. And and but the research and your survey shows a lot of different things. One is that it's understandable to me as to why people leave hospitality. And second, I ended yeah. up asking myself the question: in other foreign lines of employment, does the same kind of carry on go? Like, for instance, part of it here where uh, the manager in front of guests shouted at me that I was an effing idiot and a lazy yeah. C-U-N-T in front yeah. of guests. Yeah. Another one, another fellow accused her of stealing money from the till, um, yeah. went through the horrors over that, and it turned out that it was his wife had taken the money. I mean, what the yeah. hell? Yeah, and I'm really excited, Neil, that you have taken the time to read it. And as I said, the link is available. I will make the link available to anybody because I want, it's written in plain English. I want a kitchen porter to be able to lift this up, read it and say, yes, I can relate to that. Or no, I can't relate to that. So I want this word to be spread. I want people to join in the conversation. We're trying to create an alliance for change. So this afternoon in NUI we have um, a seminar on my research and also research that was done by Dr. Mary Farrell on chefs, the, the gender discrimination on chefs in the kitchen. And we have a number of people responding on, you know, at the event to what they're hearing. And these are people, intelligent, passionate, caring people who have devoted chunks of their life to working in hospitality. I hear there's With a problem trying years. to get unions into hospitality, isn't it? Hotels well, don't like that. There is, because, I mean, if people are afraid to even raise it with their supervisor, they're not going to go looking for a union. Um, so, so, I would say less than 8% of hospitality workers are unionized. Um, and it's really challenging to get them to unionize because employers are, are very wary of, of their workers are, becoming unionized. So you're taking a risk are if they, you even go there. Are they getting their, there's a whole section on tips. Are they getting their, their tips, whether it's cash or, or credit cards? Because or, I'm hearing it's being, it's being withheld and you go through the reasons why businesses claim to withhold t- tips, for instance. Yes. 
yeah. And my favourite or my least favourite quote on that is um, one, one young person said, we were told by the manager that all of the tips go to a children's cancer charity, but there was no evidence to support that and it was widely believed to be a lie. It's insane. They said that they weren't giving tips because it would cover the walkouts, the people who did yeah. runners. They said they yeah. didn't give tips, it was to buy newspapers or we don't yeah. give you the tips, but we'll give you a Christmas bonus. Um, yes. Uh, and uh, you may have noticed that Leo Radcliffe announced recently that there's going to be that tips legislation is going to be introduced and that's great news from my perspective because the the limited evidence that we have suggests that about one in three people do not get all or their fair share of the tips Um, but I'd be really concerned to see what that legislation says and I've written to Leah Radka just this week saying please, please include the voice of workers in the debate about that legislation because they're the people who know what happens to tips and how that can be addressed. One of the big offenders in this research also is the customer I have to say Deirdre when I was reading it the customer features a lot negatively Yes, and it's like it's all about what is your employer going to do to protect you if you're if you're experiencing verbal abuse or or sexual harassment from a customer, and that's a really important question for employers to ask themselves. What are you going to do about that? Because you have a duty of care to your employees. Yeah, yeah. No, I I have spoken with businesses now that are pushing back and not tolerating uh, bad behaviour from customers. But your research showed that some staff member was forced. Correct me if I'm wrong. Forced to give a customer her mobile number. Uh, that's true. And then there was another case of, of a young woman. Again, she submitted an oral testimony so I could hear, I could hear the embarrassment in her voice where a, a customer went behind the bar and basically pushed her up against the wall and what I would call sexually assaulted her. And he was from a table of friends of the, of the owner. Now, again, I'd like, I, you know, I need to stress that this isn't every employer. No, sure, of course and, it's not. And, and it doesn't have to be like this. And there is so much scope for change. You know, we need we need more opportunities for voice for because we need standards to be set at a high level. We need ethical leadership from employer organisations like the Hotel Federation and the Restaurants Association. We need incentives for good practice. We need proper apprenticeships, not just apprenticeships for cheap labour where people are taught resilience. They're taught how to speak up, how to defend themselves. Uh, what's acceptable behaviour and what's not acceptable behaviour um, and you know you know the elements of decent work that are, are, are freely available from the International Labour Organisation you know if th- those need to be built into hospitality jobs okay. and I think we're moving Neil we're I don't know is it I don't know is the industry dumbed down uh, you know do people regard it as a career choice so maybe in management for instance but there are other jobs within hospitality that are so important but not management but just like didn't the research say that it was very student orientated now and there's a huge turnover of staff because of that there is and you know so that's a, that's there, there are certainly features of hospitality that make it particularly challenging and so I would see it as a two-tier workforce there's the student uh, transient labour that are just in to make enough money to get themselves through college um, and then there's the people who really want to work in hospitality and, and see it you know see themselves staying there but the, because the students come in and 
they will accept bad behaviour yeah. and they'll take worse terms and conditions. It's, it is bringing the standard down. Um, and, and there has been a dumbing down of hospitality for decades. I mean, if you look at other countries, Neil, hospitality is seen as an acceptable and respected career. It and is. that's where we need to get to. It we is. need to get to a situation where an 18-year-old who doesn't want to go to university, and university is not for everybody, can see a path for themselves where they can make an, a respectable career that will help them to feed a couple of children and, and provide a good life for themselves. Uh, within the hospitality sector. If um, if people want to read this research, how can they go about it, particularly those in hospitality? Is it available uh, online now? Uh, it is available online um, and I can send the link in if that would help because we we had a bit of a cyber problem with NUI Galway. Well, why don't you do that? Some of the links you, don't work. So can I can send the report directly to, to you or to one of your researchers. Okay, I won't even go into that, actually. You are, I hope to God you weren't hacked at the university or anything like that, but I hope you sort out whatever well, the problem yeah, is. Well, we, we can talk about that again, but it's been a challenging semester. Okay. Uh, yeah, we've okay. had our issues. That's another story um, indeed. Okay, so if you send me that link, I'll share it on Facebook and Twitter and my own Instagram. For those in hospitality, they should read it. And congratulations and well done on the work, Deirdre. Thanks for taking thank the call. Thank you. And I'm willing to talk to anybody anytime who would like to get in touch uh, to find out more own experience. Okay, okay. Thank you for that. We can direct them your way. Details will be within the report itself. Dr. Deirdre Kern, thank you so much. That's Hi. hospitality, lads, and as soon as I get the link from Deirdre, I will share it, and then you can go and have a look at it yourself, because I, I mean, I'm only skimming through it, to be honest with you, just the tip of the ice, ice of the iceberg. It's, it's quite detailed and quite extensive, but I would love also to hear from anybody's experiences within hospitality, following my conversation with Deirdre, whether that's by email, neil at redfm.ie, if you don't want your own private details given out that's fine you can also text 0868104106 and again this is not everything and everybody within hospitality but this is what the research has found back after 11 i'm rory and i'm valerie and you can join us for the very best in local national and international sport every weekend on the big red bench that's the big red bench every saturday and sunday from six on cork's red fm Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prindeville now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. With another opportunity to win for yourself a family pass for Alpine Skate Trail every day this week. And it opens on the 12th of the month. And you'll be skating through the woodlands of Fota for a brand new skating experience. You can book directly for you and the family or whomever at iceskating.ie. But we have family passes to give away every day. So you're listening out for this cue to call. Don't call just yet. Just when you hear it again, uh, call it. 10 on 1850 104 106. You get it? Ice, ice, baby. So, Alpine Skate Trail, book directly at icegating.ie. A family pass between now and midday today. A busy morning. Actually, just on tips, uh, I also saw overnight that Amazon drivers have been given $60 million in tips. Amazon were withholding the tips and an action was taken against them, and Amazon were found to be illegally pocketing a big percentage of those tips and weren't passing them on. This is an American story. 140,000 drivers who drove for Amazon. Uh, but it's, it's not, I mean, it's, it's handy money. It's, the average is about $422. Like the highest tip that was being withheld from a single Amazon driver was $28,000. When you add it all up, it comes to $60 million, something in the region of $44 million. Pounds. Uh, and that's Amazon. And uh, it's not as if they haven't got enough money to go around. Uh, thank you to everyone who's supporting Lisa Murphy's GoFundMe. It's now standing at €17,350. Euro, and it continues 
continues to rise. You'll find the link on uh, our Red FM Facebook page and also on my Twitter page. It's been set up by friends of hers, uh, Louise and Shelley and Ashling and Saul and Claire and Ali and Laura. And we're asking people to um, share the fund yourself and also if you can afford to give something, then please do so that they can reach their target. Uh, and the target is 60000 for the professional in-bed treatment that Lisa needs. As I've been saying a lot these days, life isn't too short. Life is too long not to make a difference. Uh, so let's see if we can make that happen. Thank you for your, uh, for your efforts and your contribution. And also your text, text 0868104106. Back to the phone lines we go. Uh, Chrissy, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Um, not the easiest call in the world to make, in fairness to you. No. But, but still in all, you picked up the phone. How can people help? Um, well, I don't, like, I don't really know. Um, well, we know, we all know of the old song that our mams and dads used to sing to us. All I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. Remember that one? <laughs> Correct, I do, unfortunately. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, basically, just to give you a quick rundown, I guess, um, from a very young age, I don't ever remember having what I would say white teeth. Now, I was taught years ago that it was something got to do with having too many antibiotics. Yes, I heard that uh, one. And there was always something. the talk, don't give your kids too many antibiotics, their teeth will turn yellow. I know it. Yeah, yeah. well, I'm definitely living proof of that. So, I mean, all my life I've learned to smile with a smirk and never open my mouth because I just have always been very conscious, conscious. of my teeth yeah, anyway. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so... Yeah, over time, I mean, I'm a single mom and it's just not in my reach to ever address them and get them fixed. Um, so it, it was always put in the back boiler. I have gone to, you know, local dentists and I and I have got bits of work done. But um, now this morning, this front tooth has come out and like... It just I, fell out, did it? Did it just fall out? Well, it was half cracked, we'll say two years ago, and a dentist, like, I don't know how they do it, but he filled the tooth and then he kind of put it back up. But now it's come out and it's got like a little, I won't say a screw, or it's got some kind of a, um, something coming out at the top of it that actually went into my gum. That's right. Like, it is a screw, yeah. Or it could be a pin or something like that. A yeah. pin. It looks yeah. something like a white pin or or something. Um, and, do you, and is it now, that you just don't, you can't afford to go back to the dentist, is it? 100%, yeah. Like, a dentist visit is like, what, 50, 60 euro? Well, you need, um, you need a crown, I suppose, do you? I probably, yeah, I mean, that's what has been suggested, that I need a crown, like crowns are 400, 450 euro. Uh, I spend most of my life wearing my kids on my own. It's just not an option for me. Like, Poor thing, you're very upset, obviously. That to me is like somebody else having to pay three grand, you know. 450 euro to me, it's just not for a tooth it's just not you just don't have it like you just can't you haven't been able to put anything aside like that you haven't it's day to day for you I suppose is it absolutely well it's not even day to day I wouldn't say like I mean I present myself very well I have a nice home I try my kids are very good kids I have reared my kids very well but it's been hard though I'd say on your own 
hundred percent. Yeah. Like yeah, hundred percent. And and consciously trying to do it right. You know, trying to be a good mom and and make sure my kids grow up to be good people and working and going to college and you know contributing to society not just sitting around doing nothing I know and when you you hear of other people then good luck to them incidentally every single person that can go away and get their teeth whitened and get all sorts of veneers and things like that good luck to them of course 100% I mean that's I have always said that that would be you know I've always said everybody has something about them and I've always said that if I ever had, if I won the lot in the morning, I'm going to get my teeth, you know, whitened and sorted. And, and because I'm a very happy-go-lucky person, I like to laugh and make people laugh. And I like to be light. Life is not always easy. So you have to try to find the good stuff. But it's hard to laugh out loud and smile when you're not happy about your teeth. And is there, is it all about waiting lists then to go through um, the HSC or the, the you know, through... Dentistry that would be paid for by the state? Yeah, I don't even, to be honest, I don't even know. Have you a medical card or any help like that? I have a medical card, but it doesn't cover anything in a regular dentist, like really. I mean, they don't even cover cleaning now to get a clean. So if anybody in the world wanted to get something done like yours, it's going to cost them. It's just a body part that isn't covered. Yeah, just to get, I mean, just to get a, a crown is like, the bones are 500 euro. Like, and, and I know the only reason, I mean, in fairness to you, like, you're looking for help and that's why, you, as, as the Yanks would say, that's why you're reaching out, but it would be a payment plan you're looking for where you don't have to cough up the 600 that you could pay it off gradually, isn't it? Get yeah, the work done I, and pay it yeah, off gradually. I don't really need, to be honest, I don't know what I'm looking for. I just know that my tooth fell out and you came into my because I want to listen to you every morning. I hear sometimes where people reach out or reach back. You're very upset, um, so clearly you're, you're you know... You know, it's, it's, uh, you know it's, it's not, I think, I'm getting the feeling that it's not just about the teeth with you. Your, your, your life is tough, you know? It's tough. No, it's actually, to be honest, it's, my teeth are just my, they're my insecurity and always have been. So Every single one of us would feel that way. It's the first thing people see. They see your face, yeah. they see your eyes, they see your teeth. And anyway, who wants to be going around with their front tooth out? Like, you can't eat, you can't talk properly. It's just, well, it must feel, feel off. Thank God at the moment. Thank God for masks. That's all I can do. Thank God for masks. Yeah. What, about the, um, what about the CUH? Isn't there a dental clinic there? Well, as I said to you, Neil, to be quite honest, I don't know what Let me the find situation out. is. Or how, yeah, I mean, okay. I just... Let me find out, right? Because okay, you just you honestly don't know where to turn. So let's see if we can make some sense out of it. And all I know is, um, if I can't stress this, it will definitely affect my mental health because it's my one insecurity anyway. Okay. So now, all right. Okay. No, I'm glad you picked. I'm glad you picked up the phone, and let's see what people can share because I'm quite sure people are listening who have advice who've been through something similar, and there must be. Like, for instance, here's the text. It says, "If you go to the CUH dental clinic, they'll do it for a quarter of the price." So we need to find out how we could make that happen, or maybe there's a dentist that might want to come on board, and we can just fix this problem. You can get move on from it. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, any. I'm also upset because I'm not used to asking for help for anything. Misfortune. But this, I just thought, no, I've got to reach out to somebody. Okay, well, well done. Glad you did. Hang in there. Let's see what happens between now and midday. You never know what might happen. 
Um, Neil, thank you so much. And when thanks I, for all the great work and the great laughs. Right, okay, uh, okay. Yeah, you can do with it. Without a doubt, we can all do with it. And if I can help in any way, et cetera, et cetera, I'm happy to do so. Listen, Chrissy, we'll be back to you, okay? Thank you so much. Okay, okay. Um, I'm quite sure that if you have a medical card, there's bound to be a dentist that would certainly look at that issue. Now, whether or not there would be a big price on top of the, the medical card or not, I don't know. But I guarantee you there's got to be somebody listening who knows exactly what the best approach to this is or the best, best path to take. So do text 0868 106. I don't know if anybody's in a position as well to maybe check with the CUH Dental Hospital, see what the story is. There are, if you're a dentist, let's cut to the chase. If you're a dentist that wants to help, please do get involved. Text 0868 106. Back after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. And you can text 0868 I want to go quickly to this because it's not the kind of thing that I can run out of time and deal with tomorrow. Jacqueline, good morning. Now, good morning, Neil. Now, you are a family friend of a man who has been missing since yesterday morning at half past ten. Now, he's Gary Keating, right? That's right. And Gary's That's in a right. wheelchair, I believe. He is, and okay. his family are absolutely distraught, Neil. And he went out yesterday morning. Why? Where was he going? Half past ten. He was going just as daily in town, around town. You know, he dri- he drives his wheelchair around. Gary goes everywhere, you know. He goes walking around or driving around everywhere. It's electric, Neil, is it? Battery powered? No, it's not. It's hand. It's okay. hand. Okay. And Neil does a straw like, you know, um, today is his dole days. It's for collecting his money and it hasn't been collected so far. Nobody has been in contact with Gary. On Would the he have picked or- up his dole by now at the post office? She, we checked. No, it hasn't been picked but up. But normally on other weeks, would it he be... Would. Think- it would, would be early. Would. It's all, he has a he has a pattern, like he's a habit of getting it he early. He has a pattern, and it is totally out of character. His family said for him to stay out overnight. Totally out of character. He's never done that before. Never done it before. So this is why they're panicking, really panicking, O'Neill. Have they been around town looking for him since yesterday? They're out there. They're out there. God love them. They're all over the place. Um, the Guardian been contacted, and she is now putting it up on. Snapchat, you know, them things you do on Facebook. I know, I know. Um, I know. Has he a so mobile he, phone or is it off? Or is he, he hasn't. He hasn't a mobile phone. Never had a phone, so he's not contacted. He has a phone, but he, as, as far as I know, he hasn't got one lately, you know. Okay. And was he in good form yesterday? Um, the least he wasn't there, you know. It's just completely out of character. Yeah. Just completely out of character. Um, sorry, could you come here one minute with me? What farm was he in yesterday? He was crying nearly, yeah. he was in good farm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're there now with his sister and his mum. I am. Yeah, and they're I'm very worried in the guards. Now, yeah. And his mum and his brothers, and they're all out looking for him. And they've checked, does he have any usual haunts that he'd go to when he'd be in they're town? They're gone everywhere, Neil. Sure, like, even everywhere. if he did have regular haunts, he'd come home at night, for God's sake, or he'd come That's home for his That's what she's saying, it's totally out of character from not having come home last night. Okay, okay. And they're clearly worried, obviously. Where would a guy they're in a wheelchair terrified. go? They're terrified, Neil. So if the public are listening to this, if anybody at all, Neil, knows Gary, if any way they could, even if, if he phoned someone yesterday, could they please... Please contact them. I can leave a number for you, Neil. But give me a description of her. We know of the wheelchair, clearly. But how old is how old is Gary in and about? Gary's in his 40s. Okay. And he's is, short, dark hair. He's got the moustache. He has a moustache. 
a black moustache, a black little beard. Um, he, well, you don't know idea what he had on him. Your mum knows that. So you had a jacket on him anyway, because it would have been cold enough. Yeah, because it was freezing nearly yesterday. What colour hair did you say? Black. Moustache as well? Yes. In his 40s in a wheelchair. And definitely he, he his plan was to go into town. Yeah, he was going into town yesterday. Yeah, yes, me. That's um, that's a mystery. That's for sure. That's a mystery. It's out of character for sure. Now I do know. Unfortunately, some time back, poor old Gary was dragged out of the chair, wasn't he? And, and, he was. Yeah. He was. God Almighty! He recovered from that, though. Hope he's all right. Yeah. So I don't know, I don't know much about that. No, no I sure I know. I just know I that he. I know I there was some incidents in town. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Neil, um, if there's anything you can do, on if anyone's listening to me, if there's anything, anything. If there are any of his pals listening, he may have been in touch with a pal, he may have met somebody, yeah. he may have said something to somebody yesterday, he may be with somebody. Uh, or he, listen, he, 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 he could have just taken, I don't know, a bit of time out, but he needs to get in touch with his family, that's for sure. Yes, okay. Neil, and thank you very much for the time. And if, if you hear so anything much. back, Jacqueline, will you please come back to us and let us know of that everything is okay? Of course I will, I appreciate it, I really appreciate it. Okay, Thanks, Jacqueline, Neil. take care Are for you now. Will I leave a number with your... Absolutely, I'll put you back on hold, please Thank do. You. I have an 085 number here, so just let me know if that's the right one. So, Gary Keating left home yesterday morning at half past ten in Mayfield. Normally, this morning, he would have picked up his dole by now. That has not happened. He did not go home yesterday. He did not go home overnight. He's in a wheelchair. Now, that in itself comes with the cha- his challenges, with, with challenges, of course. Um, you know, people do take some time out and everything. But uh, And if that's the case, hopefully he'll touch base with the family. But if not, we want to make sure that he's safe and well and get him home. So if you have any information at all that could help in that regard, please do so. Uh, get in touch with us. Text 0868104106 or else uh, if I could perhaps share a mobile number uh, with, with Jacqueline, you could call her directly. That could help as well. As soon as I get that number, uh, I'll get back to you on it, I promise. But uh, if you can help, please do so because... Yeah, you know, I suppose being a wheelchair user, you're probably you probably tend to have a more of a set routine because obviously there are those, the challenges of the wheelchair in life. So it doesn't sound uh, um, as if it's um, yeah something that uh, you know uh, he would normally do. Has never done it before. Okay, lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. If you can help in that one, and we'll come back to it. Back after the break. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. Eighteen fifty one zero four one zero six. And you can pick up the phone at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Just uh, oh, listen, Jacqueline. Uh, I should have mentioned to you, and I was chatting with you because I don't know whether or not you actually called the hospitals. That is another important thing to do. I know you say the guards are aware. Maybe the guards have, but Jacqueline, in search for Gary Keating. You should call the COH, you should call the Mercy, uh, call the South Infirmary, call the hospitals and ask maybe if he was admitted. I'm only saying that because he could have taken a tumble out of the wheelchair, an ambulance may have been called and they don't have a contact number for him and he didn't have a mobile. So call the hospitals. All could well be okay and he could be in hospital. He might have got a bit of a bump. So, so do check that out. But if anybody has any details or help that could help the family, Searching for Gary, Wheel, Gary, Wheel, Gary Keating, he's in a wheelchair. It's an 085 number, 085-835-3442. 085-835-3442. And hopefully that will be resolved and he'll be safe and well and back with the family. Now, there's research out this morning. I spoke yesterday with Siobhan O'Connor and uh, it covered a lot of ground, actually, relationships between the man and the woman and, uh, you know, you and your partner and what have you. But the crux of the conversation at the time was, you know, people admitting and maybe more should admit 
that having a child and a baby is hard, hard work. And it can have all sorts of, um, you know, consequences for relationships. So that was the conversation yesterday. And I want to come back to that. But if I could just develop it, there is research out this morning that I have been sent, which is the top 10 relationship records for couples in Ireland. So they've looked at the top 10 relationship records for women and they've looked at the top 10 relationship records for men. So if you don't mind, I think you'd be interested in hearing what they are. Let us start with um, the women. So the top 10 relationship records for women. This is the man in their life who's wrecking their heads and wrecking the relationship. And vice versa then when I give you the men's list. So the 10 for women are, he likes football, watching sport more than me. He's a selfish lover. I guess these are in order of importance. So watching football maybe could be deemed to be the worst. Or maybe they're randomers. So football, selfish lover. He's obsessed with computer and video games. He's lazy, never helps around the house. He is always down the pub with his mates. I don't trust him. I've started desiring other men. He's put on weight and he's let himself go. We never share anything and he watches TV alone. He's always skint. Now, that's not, just, that's not one woman saying 10 things about her partner. That's the research from all the, women, all the women who were surveyed. That was the top 10. Okay, so the top 10 relationship records for men, how men feel about their partners. Uh, they may well be in no particular order. I stopped fancying her. One of the reasons then when that was drilled into is, I stopped fancying her because she put on weight. Another one. She never instigates sex. She's always complaining. Her friends are toxic. I want to sleep with other women. We never have fun. There's not enough passion. I'm too busy with work. I'm bored. I need a fresh start. I have more fun with my mates. So some of those are interchangeable or connected. She says he's always down the pub with his mates. And when men were asked about that one, they go down the pub because they have more friends down there and they have better fun uh, with their mates. Another one is her friends are toxic. Um, women don't say that about men's ones. He's always skint is one that she says. He doesn't, she doesn't, she says that about him, but he doesn't say that about her. Mind you, there is one here. She says he's a selfish lover and he says she never instigates sex. So some of them are Kind of connected in many different ways. So that's the top 10, apparently. Uh, I wonder how many of those actually kind of uh, float your boat or ring any bells with you, or how many of those would you tick off as being happening in your own relationship? It's an interesting one there that both men and women were researched. But the women said, I've started desiring other men. And the men say, um, I want to sleep with other women. Kind of start at the end of a relationship I'd say at that stage isn't it anyway I will have some calls on this but just I have an update actually from Jacqueline with regards to uh, Gary Keating so let's go back to it and see if there's some good news anyway Jacqueline good morning Hi Neil Neil we've got news oh god I can't thank you enough on Red FM Okay what happened um, He's in the regional he had an accident he fell from the wheelchair and busted his god love us his forehead so he's out in the regional and straight away at the minute the minute you said it, Neil, we got a phone call, so I can't, we can't thank you. Enough. I think that was the tip-off we got from a bus driver who rang us to say that he spotted Gary falling out of the wheelchair. Yep, thank God, Neil, he, he you know... And he, he was uncontactable to you because he's no mobile, you see. Yes, I know. And he I might know. have a bit of concussion. 
Well, he's kept in anyway, so he's out there, Neil. They're on their way out there now, as I speak. The poor misfortune. Wheelchairs and city streets and footpaths and curbs and all sorts of things. Well, that's great. That's, I'm sure you'll make a full recovery. That's great. It's a great relief no, now to the family. great, Neil. You're great. You're great. <laughs> Happy to be part of the... Um, the, resol- the, 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 the resolution of that. So, and also, thank you to the bus driver, Joe. Well done to him oh, for picking up the phone. unbelievable. Joe, right. thank you so much. The family, thank you so much. Okay, well, happy to be able to help Jacqueline, as always. All right. All right. Take care. Great news. Cheers. Thank you so much. Bye. That was fast. Well done, Joe, the bus man. It's great to get results like that, and it's great to get results really, really quickly. So thank you to Joe. Um, and if, um, you know, the family are listening of Gary Keating, uh, get the kettle on. Make him a good... Get, make him a nice cup of tea and nice cake and welcome him home because he had a bit of a fall and he needs a bit of TLC. Well done. That's lovely. Okay. We get stuff done, which is good. Okay. Let me go back then to the top 10 of men and women and uh, the things that wreck each other's heads um, because I got an awful lot of texts on this and an awful lot of people getting involved. Um, Aoife says, my hubby, Ronan Maguire, he works so hard to make sure we have everything we need. He's a great dad to our two beautiful kids. Um, that need extra needs. Um, he was amazing when I was going through hard times with mental health issues myself. I would love him to be treated and get him the treat that he deserves. <laughs> I'd have to come up with a treat at this stage, I would think. Deborah says, my husband Derek is my rock. I would be lost without him. He does everything for me. He always puts my needs first, no matter what they are. He is my hero. I'm hard, I'm hard work, she admits. I'm hard work as I like things done straight away. And he always moans about doing them, but then they are done to perfection. Uh, I've had a pretty tough year. I got COVID and was in bed for weeks. He did everything for me and caught it off me as well, COVID, but continued to put me first. I have after effects now and life can be quite hard, but he's always there to look after me. He's my whole world. I love to have the moon and the star. I, I would, I would love him to have the moon and the stars and back again. No matter what kind of a day we have, I always say I love you because each day is so precious. Jennifer says John Troy, never mind anything else. He's got a great name. Is an amazing husband and dad to our beautiful kids. He does everything for everyone. No jobs too hard. He will make it his mission to make sure everything is done right. He's my best friend. He's been there for me through hard days and best days. I'd be lost without him. Elaine says, I won the lottery with Stephen, my husband, the best husband to me and father to our little boy. I'll always put himself and his needs. He will always put his his needs over ours. (laughs) Our needs over his. (laughs) While still maintaining his silly sense of humor. He's the kindest, smartest and funniest person I know and my better half. I just don't tell him enough. Thank you for those. I'm just reading those for the first time myself. Adam Hurley, the best husband, best friend I could ever have dreamed of. Through it all, he never complains. Uh, he'd go to the end of the earth for me and our two sons. He just deserves something. Um, maybe the Nobel Prize with everything he deals with every day. And there's just reams of these. Uh, reams of them. Um, so keep them coming. Text 0868104106. Back to the Gary story, though. Back to the Gary Keating story because Joe's the bus driver. Joe, good morning. Hello, Neil. How are you? I'm well, thank you. What can you tell us? I mean, what did you see yesterday? Or was it? It was yesterday, I guess. Was it? Yeah, I, I, I just have to remember where it was now. I'm actually not a bus driver. I walk on the bu- I walk with JC Deco on the bus shelters. Okay, the bus shelters. People standing. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I up the advertising. Yeah. Yeah. What did you see? So, it was yesterday afternoon. Uh, I can't tell you exactly what time now, but I was coming by Washington Street, and I just seen an ambulance. I had to just kind of come around it. And I seen, I seen Gary. I'm 99% sure of Gary, because I know him from Mayfield. 
and yeah. uh, they were just dropped, they were opening the doors and putting down the lift to bring him into, into the ambulance. Oh, he mustn't have been con- he mustn't have been able to tell them about his family or to contact home or anything because they were beside themselves with worries since half ten yesterday morning. Yeah, well, he, he was he was sitting in the wheelchair, but he he was kind of slouched over. Yeah, whether he was after he might have been after falling out. I didn't see that. Like they they probably picked him up and put him back onto the wheelchair to bring okay. him in. Okay, and when did you when did you think that the family were looking for him? When I heard like, half twenty minutes ago, when I heard you talking. Well done. And of course the penny dropped in fairness to you. Well it just, done. It just penny dropped. A penny dropped. I couldn't think where it was until just two minutes ago. Well, where is he? Is he in the CUH, I think, is it? I, I do not know. I think like he's the, in the, the, His sister rang me, so I just said, I don't know where they brought him. They rang the hospitals and all as well. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for, for getting in touch, Joe. It made all the difference to the family. They were just beside themselves with worry. They really I were. I don't know about it. Just hope he's okay. That's great. And so say all of us. Cheers, Joe. Take care, Thanks, my man. Thanks, Neil. Take Thank care. You. Actually, you know something. Hold on. I want to, I want to do something yeah. for you. I, I, because because you're so kind, right? Do you like a jar? Do you like a bottle of cider and stuff like that? I did the very odd one, you know. Okay. Stone, Stonewell Cider sent me a hamper of cider and West Cork cheeses and stuff like that. Um, I'm, going to, I'm just going to give it to you, all right? So you can um, break open the cider and break open the hamper and enjoy it with your friends, all right? Ah, that's great. Thank, thanks very much indeed. Okay, so I'll tell you what you do. Uh, go back on hold. I'll bring it in here tomorrow into the radio station. We can organise to get it to you. It's the Stonewell Cider Selection. You'll love it. Nice cold cider for you. All right? Cheers, my man. Take care. Excellent. That's great. Thanks, Neil. Thank you. You're welcome. You do a good deed, and I reciprocate with an equal one. So well done for that. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Here's a hard man for you. Kevin, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? You think you're the greatest, dear, because you rub Trina's feet. Is that right? Every night. <laughs> I wish. I hope she thinks the same thing as. But do you really? Do you really do that? Oh yeah, we we wait for the back now. Last night we had kind of a back shoulder massage, so she doesn't need any spa weekends. She gets it all at home. And there's every lot of women queuing for you. <laughs> do a husband swap. Are you good at yeah, it? Like I'm one's enough. Are you good at it? Yeah, sure, I suppose I am. She keeps coming back for another rub. So I must what, be good. Like what's so know? good about a foot massage? Is it relaxing? It must be. Like, it's underneath the, fi- the foot. She likes it underneath the foot, you know, not on top, like just underneath the foot, like, you know. Does she know, does Trina know that you're telling the people at Cork this? She does? She does, she does. Yeah. And does she reciprocate in any way, shape or form? How do you mean? Does she <laughs> Does she give you a massage or she rub your foot or rub anything? Uh, the back, I suppose, yeah, yeah. I drive for a living, like, but the old back wouldn't be great at the best of times, you know. <laughs> okay. All right, my man, well done. Fair play to you. Keep it up. It's making all the difference. Cheers, man. Take care. All right, cheers. Chris says, my husband, Porig, he puts a a Trojan amount of work in with our two boys while always there for me no matter what. I'd be lost without him. Here's a lovely one, actually, from Kira. They're all lovely. Aaron Hagerty. He's not my husband, but someday he will be. He's 100% husband material since we met. He's been nothing but real, kind, honest, loyal and affectionate. He's the best role model my son has ever had in his life. He goes above and beyond for us every day. I don't think I've ever heard him complain once about chores. There's not many men out there that can clean the way a woman does. Excuse me. Sweeping statement like that. But he was one of them. Uh, He can clean. What she's saying is that her partner can clean like a woman. I'm the luckiest girl in the world to have found him at 25 years of age. My baby girl will be the luckiest girl in the world come December when she's born. He pushes me every single day to be a better person. 
Brilliant listener. Helps me as much as he can whenever I'm having troubles. And always tries his best to understand me and is eager to do and learn more. Beautiful text. Joanne says, William, she'd be lost without him. He's serving his country overseas currently with the Irish Defence Forces. And we're very proud of him. So these are lovely texts, actually, following a conversation yesterday with uh, Siobhan O'Connor, who was talking about the pressures in relationships when babies come along, when babies come along. So back to the phone lines. Shiv, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Okay, tell me about Morris. Is he is he another foot rubber, is he? Um, no, but I, I can't remember a time when I didn't get breakfast in bed. Go so, away. Is that often, yeah. every day, Saturday um, morning? Every day. Every day, and we're together 10 years, and we've been married five years. Okay. And is there um, a reason why he brings breakfast to me? And what does um, he bring? Well, uh, to be honest, I don't know how it started because it, it has been going on for so long. But he, overall, he's just a very special person. Um, I suppose we were together only six months when I had a medical emergency, and we found out that I couldn't conceive children naturally. Right. And, right. um, of course, a lot of guys uh, would have kind of run a mile then. Would they, though, in uh, fairness? Would you think that well, they would? Well, to be honest, Neil, if I'm being totally honest, and I've been honest to him as well, it's six months in when he was kind of committing to going down this route with us together. I'm not sure I was in that place where I was committed to doing the same thing. In in that, like, if he... I I can't honestly say that if I found out he couldn't be a father, if I would have hung around. Cause I ah, always, well, that's always wanted very to be honest of you. Speaking for yourself, then, you don't know that you would have stayed in the relationship. Because I, I wonder about that. Um, you know, would, would, the, would, it, would it actually matter if you loved somebody, whether they could have a child or um, not? Well, I think six months in, I suppose we didn't have the amazing love um, that we have today, of course. like So... He, uh, when we met, I was a mature student in college and he had financed my way through college. It was when I was in college, I had the medical emergency. And, yeah. so, that, and so he financed that. Then before we were married, he decided, you know, we both decided we wanted to try the IVF route. Um, it took us um, seven years altogether um, for um, donor egg transfers and um, two donors to actually achieve our little girl. He's an amazing dad. And I'm getting emotional now. Cause he's just, That's love for he, you. He, he's, he's just one in a million. And um, he just, every morning he's up. He, now, to be honest, there are times I do get the foot rubs as well. Maybe not as much as I um, would like, but I don't have the nicest feet, so I wouldn't blame him there. What? Ne- what? <laughs> Who said? <laughs> But um, you got a left one and a right one, don't you? <laughs> I do. You got you got ten toes, don't you? <laughs> I do. I do. What's the problem? But, um, you got beautiful feet. Oh no, I hate my feet. But um, <laughs> so I wouldn't kind of blame him. But he he always puts himself last, and myself and our little girl first the whole time. And I've had kind of health issues over the last two years, and he's always stepped up. He's just like one in a million between financing me to college. Going down Did he really? Head. Did he really? Yeah, like I, I possibly would have had to drop out of college. I have a degree in social care. I would have had to drop out if I didn't get his support and love throughout the whole of college. Because, like, I went back as a mature student. I didn't have two pennies rubbed together. Listen, I, the, you know, he's right up there as the accolade or the award, so far anyway, as Cork's best husband. 
Morris is. Oh yeah, like he's and he, he was a best husband even before he was. And tell me this, he, he gets up a lot earlier than you, does he? Hence the breakfast, is he, it? He does. See, um, because our little girl sometimes wakes up at half six um, in the morning, she's 22 months, she could be up some days like at half six. <laughs> He'll get up because sometimes I'd have low blood pressure and in the morning I can be a bit dizzy. So he would get up at half six in the morning tend to our little uh, girl and so he can spend time with her as well before he goes to work and he'll go in and he'll do a 12 hour shift isn't that incredible he's an incredible and, um, guy so, yeah yeah, and he does like all this he never complains um, he'll always do without when it comes to like his birthday recently um, was uh, just a few days ago there now was the 2nd of November and I couldn't really do anything for him because unfortunately I was sick and um I, I wasn't able. I, I have pleurisy at the moment. All right. Oh, so so I couldn't really um, spoil him the way that he deserves. Do you, ever, do you ever say to him, why do you do this? I mean, like, if it were me, I'd be saying, why do you even stay with me? <laughs> oh, I've, I've, many times over the years. I've, I've said it, uh, you know, so often. I'm like, with one drama or health care after another, <laughs> I'm always kind of going... Jesus, uh, do you know, you could have had an easier life. <laughs> like, he's always... Uh, the funny thing is, is that we always kind of say that he would have been um, much richer without me because, as you know, IVF isn't... Um, it's quite expensive. But look at your beautiful daughter and all oh, of that. Oh, yeah, she's a stunner. And, uh, like, we can't imagine our life without her. And, and tell me, and te- I wish I had more time, but do tell me, what do you get for breakfast then? Does he vary it every morning? He does. Like, it, it depends on my mood. Sometimes it could be cereal. Sometimes it could be um, uh, what I enjoy in the morning, too, is box tea. I, it's a kind of cabin kind of thing. Box tea. It's like... Um, Potato cabbage. It, no, it's like uh, raw and um, boiled potatoes together and it's fried in the pan. It's delicious. Oh, I love that. A bit yeah, of, br- a bit of like brown it. sauce. You're on. Maybe a fried egg on top of it. Oh, that's what I have with this. I have a fried egg with this. And the, um, <laughs> my mother's with from Cavan, and it's all a, a big thing in Cavan to have the boxy. So sometimes he'd bring me up that or bring <laughs> me up cereal in the cup of tea. And no matter what, even if I had an early morning appointment, he'll get up and he'll make sure I never He's a cyborg. He's not a, he's not a real person. He's a robot. <laughs> <laughs> he's a robot. I, I'm telling you, there should be more people out there like my husband. In fairness, now I think if anyone deserves an award, it's him. What a lovely even story. Putting, putting up for me every day. Listen, he's thank you so much for sharing that, Shiv. It's a fabulous story. I love it. And I hope that he's listening and he knows that he's loved. Well done. Thank you oh, so yeah. much. Cheers. Thank you very much, Neil. All Cheers. the best. Back Bye. after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Just with regards to relationships, the top relationship wrecker for women was that he likes football and watching sport more than me. The top wrecker for men in relationships was, he, they said... I stopped fancying her because she put on weight. Uh, I wonder how often that happens. And uh, I wonder, are people with their partners honest enough ever to say, listen, if you don't lose weight or control your weight, I will stop fancying you. That's an interesting one. That was the top men's relationship record, weight. Text 0868104106. Now, Chrissy, good news. We have your tooth sorted. The lads will call you after after midday just to give you the details and you'll be happy and well and the tooth will be fixed. So we had a lot of success today. We found a missing man 
and we fixed a broken tooth. Can I ask you for one more bit of help, please? Uh, because I want to talk to Team Hope. They help vulnerable children overseas. And every year they have a shoebox appeal. And you know something, year in, year out, they pack 10,000 shoeboxes alone. I was chatting about it with my daughter last night and she said back in school, when she was in school, I don't know if it was primary or secondary, they were on board. So schools and everybody's involved in it, but they need a warehouse. And a buddy of mine, Brian Cagney and Douglas, wrote to me yesterday about it. And I said, don't you worry about that. We'll see if we can help because I know we're talking to Jonathan Douglas from uh, Team Hope, who does the shoebox appeal in the morning. And that's why we're at this stage now. Jonathan, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Thanks for having me on. You're more than welcome. Brian was on to me anyway to give it a push. But tell me, what goes into the shoeboxes? Well, what goes into the shoeboxes are our, our gifts, little gifts. We call them the four W's, Neil. So that's something to write with, something to wash with, something to wear, and something to make a child go, wow. It's been a great tradition of people in Ireland for about 20 years. And where do they go, these 10,000 shoeboxes? Or is it more than 10,000? Is it 10,000 in Cork alone? Oh, that's 10,000 in Cork alone. Cork, are in Cork City is incredible. They, back in 2019, they gave over 10,000 shoeboxes, and we had over 270,000 from the people of Ireland. Oh, um, my God. And over 2 million since, since Team Hope itself started. Uh, but yes, no, we send them to 14 different countries, and we have um, uh, partners over there that uh, distribute the boxes and work with communities year-round. Uh. And you know the, the, the boxes that are, that are filled? Where do they come from? Is it, is it, is it through the schools or what? Or is it through companies? Do people in the workplace do it? Oh, it's everyone, everyone, Neil. So uh, primarily schools, certainly, like uh, schools that are you know, bringing the, the most boxes. Um, but no, it's from uh, businesses, workplaces, corporates, uh, individuals, uh, groups. Um, it's for everyone. We get it from everybody. And you're okay in that regard with regards to filling the boxes and people on board to help and to give of their time and gifts. It's somewhere to store them in Cork is the problem right now, is it? Right now it is, yes, Neil. Like we, uh, we have 45 teams across the country, but right now our team in Cork City, they're just looking for a suitable space so they can check the boxes just to make sure that you know, they're safe to give over to a child. And they do it every year, but just this year they're having a little bit of trouble just finding a suitable space. And what would that be? A dry, secure warehouse, for instance? It could be. It's like it's, it comes in all shapes and forms. Now, like yeah, it's, sometimes it's a warehouse, sometimes it's just a community hall, or sometimes it's just uh, maybe it's a building that hasn't been used for a good few years. Um, yeah, something on the ground floor, ideally something uh, where a heavy goods vehicle could arrive and they could load up all, all the shoe boxes. So, yeah, something something dry, something warm. It doesn't doesn't it not talking like you know the the top of the line here. Yeah. You know we've had all sorts of checking centres over the years, and uh, so it's really just maybe a space that isn't in use at the moment um, we're, we're a registered charity so you know uh, anyone that owns a building would uh, be uh, exempt from tax rebates and we would uh, be able to provide letters of insurance and even pay for electricity if that was an issue and um, geographically does it have to be central are we talking about something in the city or the suburbs or where would be best suited I suppose, yeah. Well, um, a city is great, but if it was the suburbs, that's fine too. And um, it could be um, maybe even in, like, if you're talking about outside the city, like there's, you know, maybe Ballincollig or, you know, just. Yes, um, you're not yeah. all that choosy, really. Anywhere within the metropolis area, if you like. Yeah. yeah. Yes, that's, that's where a lot of our Cork City volunteers live. So if it was within, within driving distance, that'd be super. It means that they can volunteer there and check the box. And what period of time would you need this warehouse or this lockup for? Well, we they're they're needing it at the they're needing it straight away, and so and probably for about three, maybe four weeks, but probably about three, at least three weeks. Okay, yeah. I can't imagine what kind of square footage we're talking about here. Ten thousand shoe boxes. I mean, 
We're talking about, is it big? Is it like, you know, a tennis court size or, or what? I'd say if you could get anything like around 3,000 square feet. That's, a, that's uh, a, maybe a, a three, four bedroom semi, is it? Ground floor yeah. of that. Yeah, like, uh, but again, like you know, some, it's not it's not necessarily like this big open space. Sometimes it's sometimes it's uh, we we have had check-in centres with little separate rooms. Uh, sometimes it's been one big space. Um, but really, at this point, we're just kind of looking for any possibilities that we could po- investigate. Okay, uh, okay, because this is to a good cause, and Cork really does give annually to the shoebox appeal. Schools, businesses get on board, but right now, at short notice, we need to find some warehouse or lock up to store them for a period of what did you say, three, four weeks, maybe five, That's three, four weeks. Yeah. Okay. And okay. So yeah. anybody that's listening that might have a facility that soups that suits, I should say, let them get in touch with me, and I can hook them up with you. Is that all right with you? Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, I hope if you have, our, if you don't have our number, we can let you know. But yeah, that would be great. Well, I have your 087 number, so don't worry. But that I have a Dublin number, well, as on 01. But we'll certainly do our best to make it happen. I'll do it now, and I'll do it again in the morning, and see if we get a result on it. All right, Jonathan. Thanks so much, Neil. Thank you, Take everyone. Care. Congratulations on the great work that you do. Charity, actually, it's a Cork charity originally, Cork-based charity, and they send those to those less fortunate uh, at Christmas time all over the world. So they're having issues, lads, with a warehouse to hold the donated presents. I'm quite sure somebody out there has got to have a warehouse that isn't being used, or a section of a, of a warehouse that is even being used that you could spare. This is charity. These are volunteers who give it their time. They're Cork businesses who get involved, and all of the Cork schools also get involved to fill the shoeboxes with gifts to send overseas. Can you help? Would it suit? Uh, whatever you have, would it suit their needs? Please text me on 0868-104-106. Pick up the phone on one 106 We'll continue with the conversation in the morning. Lots more to talk about. Have a good day. Uh, I'll see you tomorrow. But before I go, very importantly... Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.